Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. Righto, my guest on the podcast today is a gentleman by the name of Lion Heron. And he has a pretty remarkable story. He was born with a rare condition that basically means that his body is constantly growing tumors. Uh, Some of these tumors are cancerous, some some of them are non-cancerous, but regardless, for 26 years, he has been living uh, with this constant health issue um, that he's had to deal with. And some of the stuff that he's been through is uh is pretty insane and throughout this whole time he has stayed riding dirt bikes he stayed surfing he's traveled the world as a photographer uh and just lived a a pretty remarkable life for someone that's had to go through chemo multiple times um and essentially been sick his entire life Uh, we met at day in the dirt this year but i know that i've met him at one point or another in the US. Uh, I'm, I'm sure our paths have crossed, but we really got to hang out at Dan the Dirt. He stuck around in Oz and we uh, organized for him to come on this podcast. Uh, it's an epic, epic one. Goes for over three hours, but just, yeah, the guys lived a, an absolutely insane life up until this point. Uh, stoked that we could make it happen. And I hope that everybody enjoys this episode of the podcast. Uh, and real quick before I forget as well, uh, Tyler Berriman, we talk about it in the podcast, but Tyler Berriman is actually uh, auctioning off the gear that he wore at X Games, including his custom painted Red Bull helmet. Uh, and you know how hard it is to get your hands on those bad boys. Uh, so that will be going live tomorrow, which would be the 3rd of October. Uh, so you can search for that through Tyler Berriman on eBay uh yeah support the cause if you can uh obviously a really dope set of gear and also for a really really good cause so yeah that's it we'll get into the podcast uh enjoy this three-hour epic with lion heron lion heron what's up dog what up we've been trying to do this for a bit i'm stoked we're uh, finally making it happen welcome to the gypsy tales podcast where all your wildest dreams come true. <laughs> Stoked to be on here. I've actually never been on a podcast before, so. Well, you come to the right one because uh, <laughs> I've never been on one either. So. Perfect, dude. I'm excited. Yeah, I mean, 
honor to be on it. Obviously, a few of my good friends have been on it. Some heroes, some legends. So stoked to be here. Yeah, you're you're like one of the dudes that everyone's like, man, you got to get lying on it. You got to get lying on it. And um, I didn't, I just didn't like put two and two together. Like I've known about you and your story, I guess you could say, for like a really long time. And then when we hung out at Day in the Dirt, I was like pretty well stoked to get you on just based on like hanging out at Day in the Dirt. <laughs> but I just didn't put two and two together of like your backstory, which I get, I guess we'll get into obviously. Yeah. Um, but how are you liking Oz so far? Fuck man, I've been down here for about a month now actually and been having a blast. I mean, not my first time down here, so kind of it's better being down here the second time and and knowing places that I want to go to and, and things mm. I want to do and kind of having like a general idea of the place where I'm at, you know, like my geographic. Yeah. But dude, it's one of my favorite places in the world is being down here. When was your first time you came? Two years ago. Okay. Was that for anything in particular? Just a surf trip. Just to come down here. Just came down by myself for about a month and figured it out and surfed every day and kind of do the same thing this time except riding moto. Yeah, sick. So you've, you've got like a bunch of cool contacts down here. Like how did you kind of, is that through like, because I guess you've got a, a lot of mates through like the surfing industry. Obviously you're like a photographer. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of how you got those contacts, I guess. Yeah, just like that and just being who I am, I don't know. I just, you know, you know, no stranger everyone you meet, you, you know, find out who they are stuff like that and end up being friends with them. And they're like, come down and stay with me in Australia. Or they're like, when you're down here, you know, let's go do this. I'll take you to this. And it's just kind of like meeting people. Yeah. Um, and then being in the surf industry, you know, you know, like when I came down here last time, I stayed at Dingo's house, which is rabbit, rabbit Bartholomew's house. Yeah. So we stayed at his house last time, which was like, fuck. I mean, that's like one of the biggest honors ever to stay at rabbit's house. And, and Dingo's like, yeah, I take my car and all that stuff. So first time I was down here, I stayed at Dingo's and then, um, he would just be like, Oh, go meet my friend over here. And then I'd meet them. And then they introduced me to their friends and then so on and so forth. And then over the years you just, you know, stay in contact and then tell them to come back down. And they're like, too easy. We're going to get you all dialed. Yeah. Cause you've been, you've been living it up. Like, uh, Jake from shock mansion, you've been kind of hanging out with him a bit. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, you kind of just the, that, the crew, man. that and the moto guys and surf dudes and just, been fuck having a good time like a really good time it'd be definitely hard not to like obviously we haven't had good waves though no it's been shit the waves have been fucked like it hasn't gone proper that well it hasn't been like this bad for like a while like a month of straight northerly winds is pretty hell and the winds are fucking gnarly too bad and it's cold it's like it literally reminds me of home right now Mm. like i'm gonna go home and it's gonna be the same weather the exact same weather because it's gonna be going into fall yeah well it's fall now right fall is going into winter so i'm gonna go home and it's gonna be putting on a wetsuit again except the water's gonna be colder that that was like my thing where because i lived in california for so long and actually the last sort of area i lived in was where you're from so i was surfing like county line and zeros and all that stuff before i came back and like um like uh manhattan beach pier and yeah, all that kind yeah. of stuff and it was just like wetsuits i'm like fuck i can't wait to get home to go to australia <laughs> so i don't trunks. have to wear a wetsuit and i haven't surfed at all <laughs> and i got a brand new fucking board from steel at sld it's got gypsy towels on it single fin sickest fucking thing ever doesn't even have wax. doesn't pump. even have wax on it 
just been sitting the whole time yeah and every single weekend i'm like i'm just gonna surf no matter what and then i get up and it's like raining and fucking like, howling wind i'm, I'm like well, I'm, I'm not doing this <laughs> so yeah you're gonna you're gonna go exactly and like the surf is probably the same right now no it's been California. firing has it yeah and it's been like uh, i come down here i come down for like a surf trip to australia and i look at like the cams every day at home and it's been so good you're on that surf line premium yeah yeah you are Big give time. me a login bro <laughs> give me a login. i'll pass it oh <laughs> uh, that's classic and uh yeah, so was day in the dirt like your main thing for coming down here? Um, kind of not. Actually, it wasn't really like I was coming down here for a surf trip. Like, and I planned it before they announced day in the dirt. Oh, and just somehow day in the dirt was the day after I got I landed, and so I talked to my buddy Mark and Matt Chuck, and he was like, "I'll die in, die you in with the bike and get you all taken care of." And then the boys at Crick's Tweed gave me a Ute for first two weeks, and then they hooked That's me up with the car. Sick. So like. I don't know how everything just worked out, but I got a bike, a truck. My buddies, you know, gave me, you know, a place to stay. Just ship your chick out and just fucking stay. Dude. <laughs> I've been telling her that. And she's like, no, nah, I can't. I'm like, come on. You just need to come down here. We'll stay another month. Oh, that's Make your life easy. Yeah, dude. We were just like, I guess before we went on, we were looking at videos and shit of uh, Day in the Dirt. Was, oh was it as God. loose as you expected? It, yeah, I would say so. Just because like at home it gets real loose. And then just thinking about like Australians doing the same thing that we do, but like you guys more amplify, Australian, yeah, you guys amplify a lot, <laughs> especially like you get a bunch of just somewhat bogan dudes into like a ravine and just you know, yeah, like they just it's like we're quarantined off from the world at there know. was like and no phone service, yeah, there was literally we were like quarantined. It was like there was uh, nothing. It was like Lord of the Flies. <laughs> <laughs> it's like it was, you, it was like people you were trading shit. It was like full barter system going on. That's fucking classic, dude. <laughs> no, that was it. Was exactly how I pictured it to be like a big party. I mean, that's what it is. It's a big party mm. with some racing, and it's you know a family event. Like you know, there's a bunch of kids out there. The, the dust hustle was badass. We needed Toby out there yeah. on his the car bike. That was fucking so sick. Yeah. And then you got the dudes like on like you know FXRs railing turns, and then you got Toby right behind him, and you're like. You don't get that anywhere. Like, nah. this is fucking insane. But you know what's cool about it is, like, the dudes on the FXRs are as fucking cool as Toby in oh, that yeah. moment. Oh, yeah. You know, yeah. like, they're idolized in the same way that Toby is, in a way, if that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, like, to the person, like, the spectator there, they were looking at him like, holy shit, like, this guy's the man. Yeah. Like, this guy. I mean, it was, they were railing those yeah. turns, like, so gnarly, and it was deep. It wasn't, like, a hard-packed turn. Like, they were railing, like, full, full on, like. tipping in. Yeah, like, it almost looked like they're like coming into like a rut and just holding it wide in second and just floating the valves the whole entire thing. That was one of the sickest things seeing that. And the drags are fucking sick. Oh my God. Did you see Durham's loop out? No, I didn't um, see Durham it? loop it out. Late in the night. Really? It was like at the end of it. Like Durham like took someone's, like it was like an 80, it was like an 87 YZ250 and he dressed in all white with the wig on and went out there and just like third gear loop out. Paul <laughs> just Paul just sent the thing up, dude. One of our one of our mates, Brock. I don't know if you met Brock, but he was on the Cowie and he was like probably the first dude to loop it out. Like, oh, right I at the saw, start. yeah. So then, like, the funniest thing is like everyone's like, "What a fucking goon!" and like they were hanging shit on him. He was like blind, oh, but yeah. he rips like fucking. There were some fast so dudes, and and then there's like that one chick that kept getting on different bikes. Yeah, dude, she was ripping as well. Yeah, she would like get on, like like she'd be on like a 450, and then she'd be on like a 125, like three times later you're like what like whose bikes are you riding and then there's the dude I think on there was a few dudes lining up to give her yeah, bikes if you know what I'm, I'm pretty sure <laughs> there's the dude on the um what was he on he was on the american flag like street bike with the lbz gear 
Oh, yes. Dude, that guy Dude, was hero. That LBZ gear would not there's like would not be a lot of sets of that floating around no like that dude's had that thing since like 99 yeah. for sure maybe 98 like that, that like that and smp is like some dope fucking dude OG if, you, shit. if you had like the smp like flame and cheetah print yep that was <laughs> that was like watching fucking uh old man hodges like could you imagine oh, if ph yeah. was here doing drags like <laughs> i feel like he would be running that same setup for sure he would dude we need to get ph on the podcast that guy is a wild man fucking that both, guy dude. is a wild man <laughs> uh so uh what else in in oz you mean just doing just any photo serving. stuff i've or? been just no i haven't really been working anything for photo stuff i've just been shooting for myself just like enjoying you know, the time off and just taking photos to for like the just, fun of it. Just yeah. yeah, just like getting back into the you know, the swing of things of like taking photos that I enjoy that I want to take, you know, that's mm. you know, I'm not hired to do anything. It's not, you know, no one's directing me to take anything. It's just me having creative my creative outlook like, you know, rejuvenated mm. again, which has been awesome. Yeah. And just driving like yesterday we drove the countryside up to some I don't even know where we went. Like we went pretty deep along the uh what is the dividing ridge of uh, New South Wales in yeah, Queensland? Yep, yep. So we drove up there and we went to this dam and all this stuff. And then like drove, Somerset, maybe? Maybe. Yep. I'm not too sure. I mean, I bet if I look at my photos, it'll say like where it was. Yeah, yeah. But um, yeah, like drove down this random road to like these people's like farmhouses and there's like all these cows and horses. And it was just like Oh, sick I saw to, those photos. Yeah, yeah, I was just sick to see like the countryside of Australia and not just like, you know, being a part of like the coastal or like moto, like, you know, like with this trip, it's like I surf or I'm riding moto or, you know, like that's kind of it. And then mm. indulging in the cafe culture because how good is it? I eh? fuck you guys. This coffee so good. I know, you? man. It's so good. America's getting slightly better. We're getting better. It is getting slightly better, but it's got nothing on down here. It's got like, so far to go. Yeah. No. And then like the whole pastry situation mm. and like the rolls. Mm. I'm going to give a shout out to bread social yep. in Cooley. Yep best chicken roll I've ever had in my life like hands down like I've gone there I think four times a week mm. well, since I like every day I go down there dude the Gold Coast like we um, I was at uh, Q1 which is like in Surface Paradise which yeah. is like the I guess it's like Miami you know what I mean it's yeah. like the big sort of city and uh, we were talking to these people by the pool and they are up from Sydney and they're like, oh, do you live here? I was like, yeah. And they're like, oh, I don't really know if I could live here. And I was like, what the fuck are you talking about? Yeah. What do and you she's mean? like, oh, it's just like, yeah. And I was like, man, you know that like, if you go like, fair enough, Surfers Paradise is yeah. like super touristy. Very but much. like once you hit like Miami, Nobby's, Burley, and you just go down, down like, like Coolangatta. Yeah. Corumban, so Coolangatta. It has like a a small town vibe. Yeah. Like Chugan, like all oh, that, like yeah. that whole stretch from like yeah Miami down mm. to Tweed is it's so sick like so all livable. the yeah it's all the little like it's like little beach towns like small town community vibes like everyone knows each other you know it's like that's where I that's how I grew up like you know being mm. from Malibu it's like it's a small town everyone knows each other you know you go to the grocery market you, it takes you fucking two hours because you have to talk to everyone and everyone asks you know what's new all this stuff but like I love that about you know the coastline going down mm. it's fun and then you go down to like Kingy yeah. And like Fingal and all that stuff. Like Fingal's so rad and Kingscliff is so sick. Yeah, and then then that goes like pretty much all the way down to Barn, which is yeah. just a whole nother. Like Cabba, like going into Cabarita, like that yep. that zone's really sick too. I I always said like when I lived in the US that they fucked up by putting PCH where yeah. they did. Yeah. Like fair enough, it's cool, 
that there's like a road right alongside the coastline. Yeah. But like they fucked up. Like yeah, th- big time. they don't have the same beach culture. Like Malibu's probably one of the only spot and Laguna. Laguna, Laguna then like San, Cl- of, San Clemente. San Clemente. But see, the the, the distance between the freeway. So big. The like the freeway to the to the coast is like still right there. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, you can have like a tight, like a small town. Yeah. But you you feel like you. It's like you always feel that highway. Yeah. And I think to me, true. it like ruins the vibe. I wish that they just went inland a little bit with it. Yeah, so they want like, like if they like want like another mile inland. Just yeah, it just, just a little it'll bit give more. Give it so much more because then then you feel like you know it's like if you live east of the freeway, you're like not in the beach town community. You know what mm. I mean? It's like a full different vibe. Yeah. If you live on the other side. But yeah, it just runs like. St- Bam, through the middle. And yeah, like, that's... I, I just... And knowing... Yeah, like, you look at Cabaretti, you look at Byron, like, you got the freeway, and then it's, like, a drive, and you're, like, in that town. Yeah. And you... That town is its own thing. Yeah, whereas that's what I like feel, about it. Yeah, whereas I feel like in the States, it's just one after another, and, like, you can see everything from the free. You always feel like the freeway's right over your shoulder. Yeah, you're always... I mean, like, with... With PCH, obviously, it's a little bit different because it's a little more mellow than, you know, if you're driving the 101. Yeah, yeah. Like, you know, that's... that. I think that's cool about it is that if you go through PCH and you're going up the coast, like it, it's way more mellowed, obviously the, you know, slower speed limit, smaller. I mean, it's still dangerous as fuck, but yeah, it's like the most dangerous place in the fucking world, like dangerous highway. Uh, but it has a little bit more of that feel to it, but I know what you, I know exactly. Yeah, it's, it's like, like from your, from your coast to the road is so small. So yeah. it makes everything so like every little beach town so much smaller. Yeah. Whereas I, and it could feel like a getaway. Yeah. But like, whereas when you're in Laguna, especially if you have to, is it the 133 where you like so. turn off and you got to go like that to me feels more like Australia. Yeah. Like you're on the, freeway and then you've got like a 20 minute drive to get yeah, to, the to beach. get into the beach yeah yeah it's not as convenient but i feel like it creates way more of like a vibe well it creates more of a community because it's less you know less code like you know up and down the and it's not state as state traffic and it's not as easy to get in there yeah as well yeah it's exactly like you gotta earn it a little bit more so but uh so let's talk about uh your health issues because it's like you've been through some shit and i don't like i don't really know a lot about it but it's cool um with just the people that are kind of like got behind you and and what you've been through and and with fast house doing the whole like fuck cancer thing and a ton of people are pushing that um berriman's doing some auctioning some gear which like we'll talk about in a bit but yeah like i i guess fill me in on like how it all went down so i mean like i was born with a really rare disease um it's called gardner syndrome and it's like when i say really rare i mean my exact mutation, I'm one of 25 in the world. Fuck. My exact mutation. So it's like, there's no, there's not a lot going into it. You know, I have... In terms of like research. Exactly. And then, I mean, like I do have, uh, I have, you know, some side effects of the disease that are more common that, you know, are treatable as in like, you know, different forms of cancer and then tumors and stuff like that. But so I was born with this disease um, called Gardner syndrome. It's a mutation of my DNA. um, And it's the one gene that controls all the cell growth in my body. So all the what growth? All the cell growth. Okay. So it's like almost like a autoimmune deficiency. Yeah. Like, you know, like, so the side effects of the actual disease, like the main side effects are colon cancer, um, desmoid tumors, which are, uh, they call them non-malignant malignancy because they're non-cancerous tumors, but they grow and attach themselves to organs like a cancer would, and they shut down organs. Oh. Um, and then, you know, different stuff like osteomas, which are bone growing tumors. 
different side effects are like decaying of teeth from it and then extra teeth and osteoporosis and osteopenia, which obviously is, you know, it's weakening your bones. Um, which is sick for moto. Yeah. It's so awesome. And surfing and skating, everything. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I'm, I'm, I'm like, everything that I do is my mom's worst nightmare. Yeah. Like hundred percent, like 100%. Everything you do is like the thing that the doctor said, don't do yeah, because should, of this disease. Like you're going to be sick. Like you can't, you know, you're gonna be bedridden. It's like, nah, I'm not I'm yeah. going to do everything I want to do. But so I started off first surgeries when I was four years old. I had a tumor removed from my left hip and then 40% of the muscle removed from my left hip. Five out of hernia. Seven, like from like five to seven, I was always getting these stomach pains, like crazy stomach pains. Uh, I was misdiagnosed five times, told, you know, like doctors are like, oh, don't eat peanuts because I was like having blood in my stool and I mm. like my stomach would hurt and they're like, oh, don't eat peanuts. Like it's cutting his stomach. So like that's what's hurting and that's why there's blood and all this stuff. And I was like, okay, like, you know, don't, my mom was really young. Yeah. Okay. She had me at 17. So when I was like five years old, you know, she's only 23 years old and she just had, a, you know, my little sister. So it's like a single mother with two kids and, you know, confused as to why her son's not feeling well, like in pain, all this stuff. So and not, and like not to rip on America, but yeah. not the best healthcare system. No, no, it's, it's America is really good at putting a bandaid on something and not actually really taking care of, you know, the problem. It's like, we're going to give you something to mask that problem, but it's going to create another problem. So we're going to give you another thing. And all the while you just keep giving us your money and yeah. um, we're going to drain you of everything. And then you're going to be fucked. And then insurance companies like, no, we don't cover that. Oh, yeah. Pre-existing conditions, oh, all that so bullshit. Awesome. Yeah. It's so sick. So uh, found out I had um, premature stage four colon cancer. So like pretty much it being the cancer wasn't spreading. But if we would have waited, you know, another week or so to have the surgery, the cancer would have spread through my whole stomach. And, you know, the doctor pretty much like my mom, my mom was very uh, open and alternative and you know a lot of you know she's really about eastern medicine and, and trying to take care of stuff naturally rather than doing surgery and chemo and stuff like that which I'm really grateful for it's given me a better perspective and uh, opened my mind to a lot of things so make a long story short uh, I had my large intestine and colon removed at 7 your large intestine my whole I had yeah full colon cancer had my large intestine and colon completely removed at 7 really yeah Fuck. Yeah, it's pretty brutal. That's um, rough. And then eight, I had a colostomy bag. You know, have you heard of colostomy bag? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah. I had that for four months. And then I had it reversed back to like, you know, being normal. And then um, I had another hernia during that time, like a hydrocele. And so then, what kind of hernia was it? I don't, like they say, they say with Gardner syndrome, it's just like, you know, your uh, lower abdominal muscle just gets weak and it'll just easier to tear. Like it literally uh, just so it's like in your ab muscles. Yeah, it's like yeah. like lower, like in your pelvic region. Like yeah, it just yeah, literally yeah. just like I was like, ah, oh, something hurts. And my mom's like, holy shit, your balls are like fucking the size of a grapefruit. No shit. Yeah, like the fuck. <laughs> like they go to the doctor. Like what the fuck just happened? Like in a matter of a day. So is all this before they diagnose as Gardner syndrome? Yeah, this is. So I got diagnosed at seven. Okay. With Gardner syndrome. Yeah. Like right when when we found out the colon cancer is when I got diagnosed. Okay. So, so what's the process of diagnosing it? Um, running a lot of blood tests and then running, you know, just finding specific out specific tests, very specific tests. You know, it's like, what's going on? Why does a seven year old have colon cancer? You know, that's a yeah. pretty, you know, colon cancer is primarily, uh, linked to people in their, you know, 50s, 60s, 70s. Like as you get older, it's something that happens. It's not something that happens to a seven year old. Yeah. So it's, it, it just kind of, it sparked, you know, research for doctors to be like, I mean, it's just a very 
low thing to happen. You know, it's not like a low percentage for a child to have stage four colon cancer. Yeah. So that multiple biopsies. And then, so what I found out from my disease is that, um, multiple, you know, if I have trauma, so anytime I have surgery, my body grows tumors out of trauma. So yeah, so I have a 99% regrowth rate. So anytime that I have an incision, um, like a big incision to like my abdomen, anything like that, uh, I have 99% chance a tumor is going to grow from the trauma. Fuck. So yeah. So after, you know, a couple of years, just, you know, staying up to date as, you know, checking with the doctors, all this different stuff. We found out like my stomach was really hard and they're like, Oh, it's scar tissue again, misdiagnosed. Yeah. Finally, um, got a CT scan and MRI and the doctor's like, Oh fuck there's a really big tumor in there and we're like, shit, what do we do? <laughs> like, you know, this isn't good. So, um, they're like, it's non-operable and never be operable. Like this is too dangerous. Like we're, let's start doing chemo and all this different stuff. So I did chemo on and off for about three years. Um, I and was, what age is this again? This was, I started chemo. I think I was like 10 or 11. Fuck. I was 10 or 11. So let me just give you like a, a um, perspective of how I, uh, you know, it's like you look, you think about like a kid going through this stuff and you're like, fuck, that must be so difficult. Like all this sort of stuff. My mom, when I was really young, she just told me, you're going to have this for the rest of your life and you're going to learn how to deal with it. Yeah. And you're going to learn how to be positive because this That's, is, this is it. Choice, it's not yeah. going away. So you're going to learn how to be positive, deal with it. And you're going to live your life. Like this is your life. And if you, you know, if you're mad and sad and you're angry about it, like life's going to suck. And if you accept it and you're happy about it, life's going to be a lot easier to get through. So as a kid, I was just like, yeah, this is me. Like, this is what I got. Like, it sucks, but I'm going to get through it. I'm going to be fine. And I always had the mentality of like, no matter what, I'm always going to be fine. Yeah. Like, it's it's never going to, like, in on my mind, like, not saying that I think that I'm, a, I'm invincible, but I just have this, like, reassuring feeling deep down that I'm like, I'm going to make it through all of this, like, no matter what. Yeah. And I think that is a, is a probably the biggest part that played into me making through making it through all of that. So what was like what did the doctors did like cuz how old are you now? I'm 26. So did the doctors think you would live to 26? No. So when I was 7, when I had the colon cancer, they're like he's got 3 months to live if, you know, the surgery does, you know, if he doesn't do surgery, he's got 3 months to live. Um, and the surgery, if it, you know, hopefully it works you know, with the young kid. So I was given three months to live at seven. Um, and then with this, with the big tumor in my stomach before, like, so we did all the chemo, all this different stuff. I did a lot of, you know, um, homeopathic medicine. I was seeing healers, all this different stuff as well. I was doing the chemo, the tumor shrunk and you know, we got really ecstatic about it. And then all of a sudden it grew, like it shrunk 43% in the first year or the first like six months. And then within the next like year and a half of trying to maintain it to get it down smaller, it grew over 50% again. And it got to the point where it was starting to protrude out of my stomach. Yeah, I was going to say like, could you see yeah, it? Yeah, you could yeah. see it big time. Yeah, it looked like shit. It literally looked Fuck. like I had a butt stomach. Ugh. Like a full on butt stomach. <laughs> it sucked. <laughs> like, um, and so, and then it started, you know, pushing on my intestines, pushing on my bladder, all this different stuff. And it, you know, it hurt pretty bad. And the doctors, all my, you know, doctors, I had a, you know, a big group of them, big team of them. And the, they're like, yeah, like we can't do surgery and the chemo is not working. Like my mom didn't tell me this till I was like 18, just because I think just feel it, like headspace. Yeah. Just to keep me positive. But they're like, yeah, like your son is going to die. Fuck. 
And she's like, no, he's not. And so we started doing research, finding, you know, different uh, gastroenterologists, different surgeons. Like finally someone was like, look at this guy, this guy, Dr. James Church in Cleveland at the Cleveland Clinic. And so we uh, scheduled a consultation with him, went out there and he's like, yeah, I got this. He was a Kiwi. And he's like, yeah, like we got this. Like, yeah, no sweet, worries. Bro. Yeah, literally he's like, <laughs> he's like, no worries. We got this for sure. Um, so two weeks later, we went back and uh, and had the surgery that every other doctor told me that was impossible. And they removed a six pound tumor from my abdominal wall. Um, all my abdominal muscles had to get, you know, it was attached to my whole entire wall. So they had to take out all my muscles out of my stomach. And they replaced it with something called alloderm, which is a like a woven mesh. It's like a you know space filler. It's woven mesh, and so they take your obliques and they stretch them over, and your upper abdominals and your lowers, and they sew it to it. And then since your body technically is a matrix, you know, like if you cut yourself, it heals, and yeah. you tear muscles, it grows back. Your muscles over time, you know, it's like a guide, and it guides the muscles to grow back. Almost like vines on like yeah. a like a vine wall sort of deal. Exactly, and so the muscles have grown back over the you know the last eleven years, and so now I have stomach muscles again, but I still have this big you know, space filler. So they removed that. And then I had two reconstruction surgeries on my stomach after to kind of get it back into normal just cause it was all deformed and shit. Mm. Um, yeah, I mean, and then I had another tumor like a, two years later on my right side. And then there was like a big period where nothing happened. Like it was like, I was like, fuck cool. Like I'm, I'm, I'm good. good. Yeah, yeah. I'm doing real good. Like this is awesome. So I just started, you know, living life and, kind of neglected my doctors a little bit just like you know i'm like oh i'm 18 like i'm just living life like i'm feeling good and feeling healthy and then my mom was like yo we need to go back to the doctor and just get a checkup like we haven't been in a while and i was like all right yeah let's go and so we go there and um they're like yeah like shit's not as good as you think like you think it is like you got like i had 12 tumors growing oh and i was like oh should have gone to the doctor earlier <laughs> like shit um, but I can imagine like all those surgeries, all that chemo, you're a kid, then you finally get to like live your life a little bit. Yeah. And it's just like, I can imagine the reason you would neglect that shit. It wasn't, I don't think it was a conscious like neglect. Like, like twist I'm, this a little bit. So it's like just face. Yeah. yeah. There, there we go. go. Yeah. Serious. Yeah. I don't think it was a conscious neglect to be like, like fuck the doctors. It was just like. Yeah. I'm just living, you know, and you I, felt good. Yeah. I felt fine. I didn't, didn't like, I didn't feel the tumor. So that's like, you know, you don't think about it cause you're not feeling mm. anything, but I mean, and I guess the time you can feel them, it's fucking bad. Yeah. When you feel them, you're like, Whoa, like that fucking hurts. Like yeah. something's really wrong. And it's late in the process. Yeah. And you're like, shit, should have checked that out earlier. Mm. Um, and so we started, um, so I actually started this, I started a CBD oil to, uh, to help shrink the tumors at first. It was like a six month of just CBD before we did any chemo or anything like that. Just to, you know, I was like, let's do alternative. Let's try to, you know, kill it with all that. So with the CBD, the actual, um, what would you call it? I mean, it's like the actual. Was it like an ointment or? It was was it, it? No, it was it was a it was like a droplet. Oh But yeah. the actual CBD that I was taking, because there's different CBDs for different, you know, like yeah. helping different cancers and different stuff like that. We had gotten the wrong one, and so it was a cancer fighter, but it was actually feeding the tumor. It was really weird how like how the tumor was working, huh. and so my tumor ended up growing another twenty five percent, and we're like, oh fuck, like this is really not good. 
um, like the main tumor in my stomach. Um, and then we did, and I was like, all right, fuck, we got to do chemo. So I did chemo for nine months, just a pill form chemo. So I didn't have to go into the clinic, anything like that. It shit sucked. I mean, what, so how's a pill form chemo work? I've never heard of that. Just literally pill in the morning, pill at night. Really? Yeah. And so, but it, it fucks you up like chemo does. Really? Yeah. It's brutal. So what's the, I'm trying to wrap my head around that whole concept. Like what, just so, taking the pills. Like, yeah. But like, so what, I guess what is chemo? Chemo is chemical therapy. Yeah. It kills everything in your body as well as killing the cancer and the tumors or whatever, you know, whatever it's being used for. So typically you have like a pick line or a port. So I have a port in my chest right now still. Okay. It's this little guy right here. Oh yeah. Right. Yeah. So that's just like, it's, they call it power port. It's like a little, yeah, port and you, you hook a needle into it and it's got a tube that runs into the valve of your heart. So whatever you put in there and then that pumps it, pumps it through your th- system. Yeah. It pumps through your whole system. No shit. Yeah. I had no idea that that's yeah. what, how so that works. It's works. either that or a pick line and a pick line, they have to change like every, I think it's like once a month. They have to, I've never had a pick line. I've always had a port because port, you can leave it in for 10 years and it's good. Jesus. Like wrap your head around the fact that like, okay, so we're going to put this valve in your body because for 10 years, you're probably going to have cancer. Well, so, just like, or you know, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like that's fucking heavy. Uh, to me, it's like, cause my veins are so shot out from being in the hospital. Mm. You know, like I spent over a third of my life in a hospital room Fuck. and like, you know, granted I, you know, tried to surf as much as I could and then ride as a kid. And, you know, my uncles would take me snowboarding and, you know, riding whenever I was feeling good and all this stuff. And, and I was lucky, you know, the first like year of chemo that I did, like I didn't really get that sick when I was a little kid. So I would surf after chemo. Like I would go surf and like, that was like my way of like cleansing my body yeah. and my mind. You know, I'm like, you know, I'm 10, 11 years old. I was like, I want to go surf after I'm doing chemo so I can, you know, feel free. And like, I feel like I'm washing off like, you know, the hospital feeling and shit like that. Yeah. Um, and with the port, I can surf, I can ride moto, obviously I can do everything that I want to do. It doesn't hinder me at all. Yeah. And so with my veins being so shot out, like it, you're not going to find one in like literally it takes like six times to find a vein if I need to get a really. So if I have this in, it's like if I need to go draw blood, I'm like, yeah, no worries. Just pull blood. It's so crazy. Or they're like, oh, you need like, you know, you're like, you're dehydrated. Like, let's put you on, on like an IV or whatever. Yeah, let's put you on IV. It's like, yeah, just plug me in. It's literally like a plug. It's like an outlet. No shit. It's the easiest thing in the world for me. Yeah. I mean, it makes sense. Yeah. I mean, just thinking, uh, like if I go to the doctors and you know, if I have to go and have a surgery to try to get a vein, it is such a nightmare. I'm like, all right, here we go. Like, fuck, like be prepared to be poked like five to seven times. No shit. Like I've gone, they've tried to in between my knuckles. They've gone on my ankles. I've had, you know, veins in my chest. They've gone in. They've tried to my neck before, like literally like, like all through my arms, they've like tried to find veins and found them, but it's like, it's a fucking pain in the ass. Yeah. So if I just have like an easy plug in, I'm like golden. Yeah. Make no, my life easier. Definitely makes sense. <laughs> yeah. But it's crazy to think that you've had that much shit go down. That you need. Well, this is my second one. So I had in one, the last 10 years. I, I had this one in for, I had it in from, for five years. And then 10 years later, I got another one. So I had, I didn't have one for 10 years. So it was yep. a little free period. A little, yeah. <laughs> a little hang period. Fuck. But, That's uh, blown my mind. It's crazy, right? Yeah. And now people trip out when they see it. They're like, what is that? Can I touch it? And I'm like, yeah, yeah like, oh, go for it. Because like, I know that they, they're they sort of doing that, um, not internal, but like if you've got diabetes now, they mm-hmm. have like that little 
pump thing. Like a stent. Yeah, that like goes in and then that's yeah. how like people are getting their insulin now and they've got type 1 diabetes. Or, yeah, so or they don't have to remember. The, to, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's more consistent because it's like small amounts through yeah, the exactly. day as opposed to like spiking. Yeah, I mean, that's genius. But that'd be weird to have like a little pump in your... Mm. I mean, I guess like if somebody has like, you know, like if they have to have like brain surgery and they have to have a pacemaker. Yeah. Like one of my buddies growing up, like he um, got early stage Parkinson's like dystonia. And like when we were really little, like he, like when I was going through my stuff. So he, did you meet him in, in hospital? Or no, he was, he was my dad's best friend's son. So like we grew up together and I was always the one that was sick and all this stuff. And he would come to the hospital with me. And then all of a sudden, like he started getting symptoms of like early stage, like kind of like Parkinson's. Parkinson's so he's like stuff. shaking and stuff. Like shaking in his hand, like his, like he'd oh, lose yeah, yeah. He'd, his hands kind of like that. And he'd lose control of his hands, like muscles. And they would, you know, they pretty much like, like they explained to me, it's like having like a, like, you know, like five rubber bands wrapped around your hand and you can't open your hand. Oh like man. It's stuck. Like it's stuck like this. That's crazy. It's so crazy. Like it was, it blew my mind. And so he had like, you know, when I was, we were like, 12 and he had to have like three brain surgeries and have pacemakers put in and it was it was crazy and so like you know he was there for me when i was a little kid and then i would go with him and you know i had like long hair as a kid and he had long hair and they just shave his head and i was like yeah i'm shaving my head with you yeah we're doing right. it together yeah sick so i was like did you lose your hair when you had chemo as a kid oddly enough the doctors were so blown away they said my immune system was so high that chemo didn't make my hair fall out huh. so like i had like long like full sur- surfer, like full surfer hair yeah. down to my shoulders and I feel so guilty walking to the chemo clinic because kids had like mm. no hair and I'm like this little tan kid with like long blonde hair like well, I'm doing chemo too and they're like you're not sick and I'm like I'm sorry like I feel really fucking bad and did you like not feel as sick as them then I didn't feel that sick like the chemo wasn't affecting me like the tumor obviously hurt but it wouldn't affect my day-to-day life Cause it wasn't like, I wasn't dealing with cancer. That was like, that was my biggest thing. Like mm. people would be like, Oh my God, you have cancer. And it's like, I don't really have cancer. Like I had it when I was a kid, but I don't have it now. Now I've just got these, tumors. I had these tumors that are just attacking, you know, my body. Um, and so that was like a big thing to try to wrap my head around as well, because I couldn't associate myself as being sick because I never felt sick. Mm. So that's always been a big thing for me. Like a positive motive. It's like, I'm not sick. Like I deal with things. I have a really rare disease and I battle shit, but I'm not sick. I'm not a sick kid. I'm not a sick person. You're only as sick as you, you know, you make yourself be. Yeah. So for me, it's like, I'm the healthiest person I can possibly be. And I live, but just within these parameters. Yeah, exactly. Like I deal with a lot of shit, but I'm not a, I I don't consider myself sick. Mm. And I think that's a big mental switch is like, you know, to be like so positive and forward about it. It's like, I'm not a sick person. Like I'm not in the hospital. You know, like I, I have empathy for everyone and sympathy, everyone who's going through it like 100%. And I've been in those situations, but I just don't qualify myself as that because I don't, don't want to be, you know, I don't want to think of myself as sick where I don't want to get myself down in that spectrum. Yeah. Yeah. So I say positive. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, yeah, like it definitely, it kind of radiates off you that that's sort of what you've chosen. Um, so where did we so we we ended off with like 15 oh, yeah. just fat, or 18 all that stuff so tumor grew started the chemo did chemo for like like I said nine months um and then the tumor stopped growing like they they shrunk a little bit I think they shrunk like a centimeter which is you know centimeters are big in tumors mm. so they shrunk, it shrunk like a centimeter the main one in my stomach um and then we're like cool right on I came down to Australia 
I got off the chemo and the tumor actually shrunk another centimeter while I was off the chemo and I was down here. And I think to me, it was just like being just so positive and like, you know, connected, just like, you know, being me again was really big. Um, and then, so the last like two years, you know, I'd go see the doctor here and there and I would check in and make sure, you know, I'm on top of it again and being good. And then I started getting these stomach pains and I was like, like, this is pretty bad. And I kind of, you know, be like, okay, maybe that was just gas. You know, like my stomach's pretty, pretty fucked up. It'd be like jacked for some reason. Yeah. You know, I'm like, all right, maybe it's just fucked up or something like that. And then I would get them like, I started getting these pains where it would like double me over Mm. and like I couldn't breathe. And I was like, this isn't good. Like something's, something's bad. And so in February of this year, I was like, you know, I finally, I was like, you know, I tried, I went like four months of that just like, cause it it was like very spread out and then I would get a little bit more, you know, like close together. Yeah. yeah. Periodically it would start getting closer and closer. And I was like, something's not right. And, uh, you know, I was just, I was working a lot and it's not a good excuse, but I didn't really have time to go to the doctor. I was just working a ton and it was life, you know? And so finally I was like, mom, let's just, let's go to the doctor. I don't think so. I think something's wrong. So we went there and, uh, had scans, met with my oncologist and he's like, yeah, there's a, there's this tumor that's formed in the center of your, like in the middle of your stomach and it's wrapped around your mesenteric artery. And so it's like, it's, it's near the mesenteric artery. Like he couldn't really, he's, you know, obviously certain, uh, radiology, you know, radiologists can, can pinpoint exactly where it is. And an oncologist kind of sees the tumor. So he's like, we need to have immediate surgery like right away. And I was like, Oh fuck, like this is mm. going to be brutal. So, um, plus the risk then of like more shit growing. Yeah, because you've cut. yeah, exactly. So it's like, you know, the last option is surgery. And he's like, this is the last option. Like we need to go have surgery right now. And so we booked a ticket to go back out to Cleveland to, you know, to meet my surgeon was like, we need to go have the surgery. So we booked a ticket, flew out the red eye, land in the morning, got out there. Like, you know, I landed like 6am appointment was at 9am, uh, met, like met with him. He looked over the, the scans and he's like, we can't do surgery. And I was like, what do you mean we can't do surgery? Like I, I didn't get it. He's like, this is this tumor. Like that's the guy who was like, Doing the impossible surgery. Yeah, doing the impossible surgery. He's like, this is literally, like, you cannot have this surgery. And I was like, I don't understand. Explain to me, like, what's going on? So if you look at my stomach, uh, or if you look at any stomach, you know, you have a mesenteric artery, which transfers all your blood and oxygen from your stomach to your small intestine. Um, And it's like kind of like a, a network of veins, you know, running from the artery to each, you know, stomach to intestine. And he's like, see all that white kind of cloudy cob, you know, spider webbing looking stuff. And I was like, yeah, like, what is that? And he's like, that's the tumor. He goes, it's not a dense tumor. He goes, it has grown through every little crevice of your artery. And he goes, the only surgery we can have is to cut out the whole entire artery and your whole small intestine and have to do a transplant. He goes, which he's like, there's been five done and two people have lived and they lived a pretty bad life. Fuck. I was like, oh. Felt pretty hopeless after that. I was like, "Fuck!" I feel pretty alone. Yeah, like, I just felt like I was like, "This is not good." So, um, with my body, I've you know I, I've gone to Germany. I've done stem cell treatment in Germany. Um, I've done a lot of different alternative medicines and and studies to you know to find out what works for my body and what doesn't. And we found out that my body's receptive to ninety you know non receptive to ninety nine percent of the chemo in the world. So 
99% of the chemo in the world does like they literally does not work for my body. It just doesn't work. Um, and so with, with that in mind, you know, I don't want to go in to go, you know, doctors like you need to go do this chemo. We need to start right now. And it's like, I don't really want to do that because I know it's not going to work. You know, not going into with a negative attitude. It's just knowing that like, yeah, it's just, that's not for, that's not going to work for me. Um, and knowing that there's a lot of alternatives out there right now. I mean, there always has been, but it's, you know, they're very public right now Mm. um, with different alternative, you know, um, facilities and, you know, doing like high doses of vitamin C and then different, you know, like there's a B17, which is apricot seed oil, which is proven to kill cancer cells and stop growth of the tumors. Really? Yeah. Vitamin C also um, kills tumor cells and cancer cells. And then there's something called vitamin C and K3. So, that's what I was doing. I was doing vitamin C, K3, and B17, um, IV drips three days a week. So I went down to a place called Chipsa in, uh, in Mexico, this uh, clinic, and they are on the forefront of um, alternative medicine, you know, still dealing with Western medicine and using bits and pieces of Western medicine and Eastern medicine combined um, to help stop cancer. And, you know, I saw some pretty insane miracles while I was down there. Uh, but where was I going with this? Um, what the stuff that you did? Yeah. The stuff that I did was, you know, part of that. I'm on a clinical trial called Valivex, which is, you know, it's, it's in stage three clinical trial. I think I'm the eighth patient, eighth patient on it right now. Um, so right when I get home from here in about a week, I will, uh, go back down to Mexico and get my injection and we're going to do scans when we get home to see if the tumor has grown or shrunk or where it's at right now. Um, but so yeah, we did vitamin C, K3. So my desmoid tumors have like a blocker on it. They have like a defense mechanism. They're pretty, they're pretty smart. Uh, so if you inject it with anything, whether it's a chemo, vitamin C, whatever it is, the tumor will kind of go into hibernation and won't allow it to be attacked mm. um, until it has to come out for, you know, um, to us to eat. Like it literally, it's like, you know, it has to eat and it feeds on sugars and, and different, you know, fatties and stuff like that. So, uh, the vitamin C with K3, the K3, um, is a natural, natural, uh, it's like a vitamin pretty much that yeah. disables the tumor's defense mechanism. So it allows the vitamin C to go in there and burn the tumor cells and kill the tumor. Uh, and then B17 obviously is apricot seed oil. And then we did something called IPT, which is insulin based chemotherapy, which they only use a 5% of a normal dose of chemotherapy but they put it in an insulin-based injection. Because so, the tumor's feeding on the sugars yeah, from so the insulin. So the tumor, the tumor sees sugar and they're like, oh, I'm going to feed, like it's time to feed, and the chemo will be hidden in that sugar and attack it full on, but you don't have to do a massive dose to yeah, affect the whole to, body. Yeah. You know, So you want to keep the body um, as strong as it possibly can be, but as you know, at the same time attacking it as hard as it can. Because that's like always been like the double-edged sword of chemo, right? Yeah, it Is kills it, everything. It kills, it's killing you, but we hope it kills the tumor first. Or it kills the right? cancer, yeah. It's yeah. like, I mean, I as much as like, yes, Western medicine has done so much and obviously, you know, it works in its own regard. I've known people that have beaten cancer from chemo, but have died of side effects from the chemo. Yeah. Like multiple friends. And so it's hard... If someone's like, you know, I just got diagnosed with this. The doctor's like, we need to go on intense radiation and chemotherapy. I'm like, please do research and just look at different things. You know, don't 
Don't let the doctor scare you into going straight into a chemo or radiation without doing proper research on what's going to work for you or, you know, what has worked for other people. Like everyone's different, you know, everything works differently for everybody, but I just really want, you know, if anyone like contacts me, they're like, I just got diagnosed with this or that. Um, doctors tell me I got to have, you know, radiation and chemo and then I'm gonna have surgery. And it's like, just look into other, you know, alternative options, options like diets, huge. Like mm. I've seen people, you know, cure themselves of stage four thyroid cancer based on strictly diet only mm. just, you know, change their diet, eating all raw. And within six weeks. Because that's what was crazy with like Steve Jobs. Like he had pancreatic cancer, mm-hmm. which is one of the worst yeah. forms of cancer that you can get. And he lived for what, seven or eight years yeah. with, uh, by doing all these like crazy raw diets and things yeah, like that. Yeah, it's, in, it's insane. Like, I mean, I'm sure he's doing like a lot of other crazy yeah. shit as well. But like he was very, very vocal about his dieting during that time. Yeah. And it's just like you just look at there's a lot of, you know a lot of different options than just going down the conventional chemo radiation surgery. Mm. And I think a lot of people in the world, um, like the word cancer is fucking scary. Like it's a scary word. Like, you know, it's like, Oh, I have a cancer. People are like, Oh shit. Everyone has watched someone die of cancer. Exactly. I, th- and, I feel and, like, yeah. And it's gnarly to like, to think about that. But if you can take a step back when that happens and you, you know, and you're like, okay, cool. Like, I want to live and I want to live a really good life. You know, let me look at other options. And it's so, you know, people are so scared. They're like, you know, like, you know, it's like you have this cancer, you have to do this. And they're like, okay, like let's do, you know, and I'm not taking any credit away because it's a scary feeling when that happened, you know, when you find those, find out the news, but like you need to take account, like I would say 80% of doctors you know, prescribe and put you on chemo and they're getting a solid paycheck. Mm. Like, I hate to say that, but that's so true. Well, you it's, know? A, it's true it's with incentive. all pharmaceuticals. Yeah, really. it's incentive. It's like they're making money on putting you on the certain chemo or radiation. And so it's like, for sure, they're going to put you on that as fast as they possibly can, you know, and then they're going to deal with it later and, you know, figure out like what's really going to work or, you know, how, what side effects you're going to have and then how we're going to, you know, give you this and that and that and this. I'm not saying it hasn't worked in the past. I'm just saying... I just really emphasize people doing their own research and going in and looking at different options because yeah. that's not the only option out there. It is like the least, like the last option in my mind is to do chemo and radiation. Like yeah. look at other options, look at natural remedies, look at what's going on in different parts of the world. Like look at Europe, like they're 10 to 15 years ahead of us, yeah. ahead of the States significantly. Like well, stupid. I think that, I think that this, the States is a really fucking weird place. It's so fucked Just up. because of lobbying. Yeah. So, I mean, I personally think that lobbying is like the thing that is fucking everything, really, in America. Like, you should... There's zero... There is no place for a corporation giving the government money. Yeah. It's or representatives of the government money. Yeah. And I think that that is just a huge roadblock for anything really progressing. And yeah, I think that when you're they're running everything, like yeah, exactly the, the corporations literally run the country and the corporations want profit. And I'm sure that like, it's so easy to have like a crazy negative view on 
um, pharmaceutical companies and stuff like that as like this evil thing. Yeah. And it's, it's a weird thing that happens when it's like the corporation. Yeah. Because the corporation is like, it's like not a human entity, but it's no. like run by humans. So you get this like weird disassociation. Yeah. But it's then really it's weird. like, it's hard because I'm sure that say you come out of college and you've got a, a, a degree and you want to cure cancer. Yeah. Like, right. So where do you go? You have to go where someone has money to pay you to do the research like there's no one that's going to afford to come out of college and cure cancer off their own back unless right? they come from stupid money In, insane money but yeah. how many kids do you know that come from insane money that yeah, went and slaved through fucking medical school so, and want to cure cancer you know and so it's like it's a huge problem for because it's like I, you're so right and you're like you do feel bad for saying like fucking chemo is bad and people yeah. like you know go outside and the doctors make money from it and like it it sounds bad to say that it sounds really bad to say and especially for me to say that sounds really mm. bad but on the on the flip side it's like that's sort of where people get forced to go like people have to follow the money even people with like great intentions yeah and it's like even the doctors probably know that chemo is fucked but it's like they're stuck in it. It's like the healthcare system. Yeah. And it's just like any system. There's confides to that system. And it's really unfortunate that I, I think in America, people, the, the hard lines of that system are so fucking hard in America. Yeah. But I just don't think when you talk about like Europe and Mexico, they're ahead because they don't have the confides of that system. Yeah. They don't have, you know, the FDA and the AMA yeah. literally like, oh, you cannot expand because we're exactly. still owe money on, on these medicines we made 50 years Not ago. Not to mention people are paying the FDA and like, or oh, yeah. paying people that are involved with the FDA. Like it's a very... It's so gnarly. Yeah. It's a gnarly system. We could go so deep into that, but I think we should start moving yeah, yeah, away yeah, from yeah, that because yeah, yeah. it's going to get bad. <laughs> um, yeah. So where were we at? So I, yeah. So I started doing all that stuff down in Mexico. Um, obviously, uh, I got pretty sick from it. Just, just being, you know, doing, I had done chemo like a, like a, you know, so like even that. like on a small dose of chemo, I got, got fucked you up. Like I got so sick to the point where like, I didn't eat for seven days. Really? Like didn't eat for seven days. Like, I don't know what it'd be in kilos, but I went into, you know, going into that treatment weighing around like 175 pounds. Yeah. A week and a half later, I was 149 pounds. Fuck. So what's that like? Like right now, like I weigh like... 18 pounds. That's like nearly 10 kilos. Yeah. Like right now I weigh like probably like a buck seven, like 175 pounds, maybe 170 pounds. Solid welterweight. Yeah. Still good. (laughs) Fighting weight right now. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Yes. I mean, like I put the weight back on in the last, you know, seven months. Like, you know, just like muscle again. Like I lost all my muscle. Like my arms were so skinny, my shoulders, like there was no muscle. So just that small amount, like, cause you said that it was like, like 5% of a regular dose injected in and it, and it fucked you up. It fucked me up that, just the way my body handled it. Like it just fucked me up that bad. Really? Yeah. Like just. Dude, it really fucked me up. And so you're in a hospital bed in Mexico dealing with no, this? No, I was, I was, no, no, no. So I was, I was down there for three weeks, but I was outpatient. Okay. Um, cause again, like I said, like I don't associate myself with being sick. Yeah. And there were people in there that had it so much worse than I did. Yeah. And I would never take, you know, a hot, you know, a bed away from them. You know, yeah. like I can make it back to, you know, my, the condo that we're staying at. 
And so like, you know, I, you know, I'd rather do that. Yeah. So you'd go in and out. Okay. Yeah. I'd go in there at 8am and I'd leave around like one thirty in the afternoon. So who was, was your mom with you this whole yeah, time? Yeah, My mom was with me and then my dad came down and then my mom's brothers, you know, would come down and then I had like two friends come down and stay with me, you know, with my mom or something like that. Yeah. And just, and was it in TJ like Tijuana? Yeah. So it was in Playa Tijuana. So it's like, like just right on the, you know, right on the beach along the, you know, the border. Yeah. Like literally you, you walk the, walk the wall if you want to the wall. Yeah. Right. Right there. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But people are like, Oh my God, that must be so dangerous. And it's like, honestly, Playa Tijuana is probably like the safest place so I found out why it's so safe. It's because the cartel's family, like a lot of the cartel's family Lives there. live there. And so they won't allow a lot of like barely any crime go down because a lot of their family's there. Fuck. So it's like super safe. Like as Dude, safe as it can possibly be. The cartel is the scariest fucking Those organization are ever. so gnarly. Did, have you seen like sketchy shit down in Mexico? Uh, I've heard of gnarly stories. Yeah. Like I've heard of really like, I've heard of friends, you know, like, you know, pretty much zip tied and left in the middle of the desert and everything was stolen. Like shit like that. That's not even that gnarly compared to what they actually No, like, like they got all really lucky. Yeah. Like that's the gnarly shit. Like they were held at gunpoint zip tied. And this is like, when I say like everything, I mean, I mean like, I'm not, not to like take it away yeah. from them, but like you hear some like oh, crazy like shit. Like really gnarly stories. Like, you yeah. know, people disappearing, never showing up ever again. Yeah. Like that's the gnarly shit. Wasn't there like some gnarly shit where one of the, he was like a, f- a fed and he was like jet skiing around like sand, like blacks, right? And, like, he was on, like, a jet ski, went into, like, Mexican waters, cartel intercepted him, and then they fucking found out he was a fed, decapitated him, and, like, sent his son back on, like, a jet ski with, like, his dad's head. Like, cra- like crazy shit. Like, that that, is the let most, me Google that shit. That is quick. the gnarliest thing I've ever heard. You're going to have to take it away for a sec while I Google this. All right. That is, that is like, actually insane. I mean... I don't know. People want to portray Mexico as, like, this super dangerous place, but as soon as you start going down, like, through, like, ball... Like, obviously, yeah. mainland Mexico is pretty pretty gnarly. You know, you go into, like... Like, probably Mexico City is pretty sketchy. In Tijuana, like, in downtown, like, I would never go spend time in Tijuana just because I'm, it's definitely sketchy. But once you start going down south, like, it just... it Everyone's so cool. Like, all the people are so nice and... You know, they're yeah. It's like it's so mellow. Like people are like, "Oh, Mexico is so scary." It's like once you get south of Ensenada, like it's fucking beautiful, and yeah. it's and it's desolate, and it's amazing, and everyone's like super cool. You know, it's like you just go down there and you spend time. What so? What's so Mexican Navy announced Monday that it detained an alleged leader in the um, Zeta drug cartel uh, killing of American David Hartley on a lake near the U.S. Mexico border. Gentlemen, um, hang on, we'll just skim read this real quick. Dude. Husband was riding a jet ski when they were ambushed, shot dead and killed, and his wife was unable to haul his body onto a watercraft before being forced to flee. Martinez, known as the <laughs> squirrel, of course he was a yeah. fucking sick cunt, um, uh. was also suspected of being behind 2010's massacre of 72 migrants. Uh, Mexico's Navy said in a statement Jesus dude suspected to be responsible for graves with more than 200 bodies in that state and the execution of more than 50 people by his own hands in different parts of the country when asked Fuck if she had off. confidence that the authorities had arrested the man responsible for the ki- for killing her husband, she said, it's really hard to feel like this is going to be final at the same time we're very hopeful that it will be because we want some closure um 
Yeah, there's like crazy motherfucking shit that goes on in Mexico. I mean, but there was like I remember one story that that I, dude looks like he's like 22. He looks like he would drive a Mexican Uber. He does not look like he's killed 200 people. I but mean, he kind of does a little bit. If you watch like you know, if like, you Nar- like if you watch yeah, Narcos, you, yeah, yeah, like yeah, yeah, it kind of looks like that. Homie's like, but like that's like real shit that goes on in Mexico. To yeah, where like you think like ah uh, nah, like it's got to be just like movies, but no, no, like it definitely is. But I feel like that's more like I don't know. I just I think of like you know like Baja is yeah so much more mellow. And well, like, we know so many people that go down to Baja. And I go like, down to Baja. Yeah, a lot. it's just I amazing. Mean, it's, they just have the best time. Yeah, and it's like like it's bad things happen when you hang out with bad people. Yeah, that's true. Don't put yourself in bad situations. Mm. Like plain and simple. Like I've driven, I've literally driven through Mexico by myself, like into the night through the night like solo like going through you know checkpoints and everything like that like a white kid by himself like in the middle of Mexico like getting through like I don't speak good Spanish yeah like I make it through like I usually get pulled out of the car and searched but like they ended up putting me back in the car and letting me go and like I've had a knife in my pocket and I got like went through a checkpoint and they made me like empty my pockets and I was like oh fuck I got a fucking knife on me like they're gonna (laughs) like I'm about to be arrested like I was literally so scared and I was like, and I was like, yeah, it's a, it's a blade for, you know, the, for the bike, for the moto, for like working on the stuff. And he's like, okay. He just like looked at me and I was like, okay. Okay. And I was like, oh, fuck. Like I'm going to jail too for sure. Like if someone told me that like, don't ever bring a knife down there. And I was like, yeah, whatever. Do I always have it on me? Like, like I a lot use, of my friends in America have knives on them all the I time. I just like, I've always like, I don't know. I use it. Like yeah. I, that's it. No, it's a thing. Like I use it a lot. Not yeah. for like self-protection, anything like that yeah. or defense, but like I, I actually use Dude, it a lot. All my friends always have knives on. It's like just, just like a little, it's just a little, yeah, it's a little yeah. pocket knife. Like yeah. it's just, it's useful. Like you use that shit. Yeah. No, no, I agree. That's a, that's a very American thing though. <laughs> like we don't do that a lot here. I know it's, um, it's really weird. But yeah, so you're doing the outpatient thing. So, so you, doing the outpatient thing. Um, found out that the tumor had stopped growing. It actually. So shrunk. was this a cancerous tumor? No, like I said, like there. But it, because it was around the arteries and stuff. So the only thing is, like, if it gets inflamed, if it gets like significantly inflamed and it grows, you know, if it if it decides it wants to spike and grow, mm. it can cut off all the circulation of that artery and ultimately yep. kill my stomach. Yeah. Which which is, kills you. Yeah, it, it might end me for a little while. Yeah. <laughs> Who knows? Yeah. But. Um, yeah. So right now it was like the main goal is to just, you know, get it to loosen up, like get the tissue to loosen up and, and get it to release, you yeah. know, more and more. Um, so we, uh, I got home tumor had, you know, it shrunk like half a centimeter and then I kept going on the treatments at home with, you know, I just doing the vitamin C, K3 and B17 yeah, and then yeah. taking a lot of supplements and eating really, you know, eating a really good diet, um, juicing a lot, like a lot of juicing, uh, a lot of fresh greens. And then, uh, the tumor had stopped growing and that was the last time that we went in was the tumor had stopped growing. Yeah. Um, and then when I get home on this trip, I hadn't, I haven't been on any treatments or anything like that. So when I get home, we'll go do scans, find out what the tumor's doing. And then I'm still on this, uh, the case study with the vaccine. So I'll go get the vaccination down in Mexico again. And then we'll figure out from there. That's crazy. So I th- I thought you were in like full blown remission, but you're actually still dealing with it like right now. I, that's the thing. It's like people are like, oh, are you in remission? I'm like, but I guess it's like a loose term. I it's guess it's a yeah. really loose term. It's like 
in your case? In my case, I just, I'm, yeah, it's, I don't think I'll ever be in remission because of the way the tumors yeah, are. Yeah, yeah. It's just, I guess it's just like, are you currently dealing with a tumor in your case? It's there. I yeah. mean, they're all like, there's, there's still 12 of them in there. Like, Fuck. Yeah, they're still Where are there. your other ones? So I have the main one right there. I have another one in my abdomen. I have one on my hip bone that you can see. Um, two, I have one in the muscle of my hip and then I have two on my femur. Then I have two on my ribs that I've had for like literally like 18 years. And then I have two in my head. Really? But they, they're growing outward. They're not growing inward. So That's fucking crazy. Yeah. It's pretty wild. But they're there. They, yeah. They've always been there. They're going to be there. Like, But so it's the ones that are on your organs that are like the worry because they yeah. can shut the function down of your organs. Well, they can, they can attach the organ and then ultimately they can grow around it and then cinch them. Yeah. That's the scariest thing. Or they'll crush them. Yeah. So that's where, that's where you got to be, you know, on it. In the treatment phase. Yeah. So. So. It was pretty crazy for the, like the outreach that you got and the people that kind of came to really like support you, um, through this process, right? Yeah. It's been, it's been, I mean, so it's been insane this time around, but it's always been, you know, there's such a crazy, amazing support that I've, I've had since, you know, I was, you know, I was a young kid just being from a small community, like I said, and being very fortunate to be from the community that I'm at, you know, that I'm from. Yeah. Um, when I was 15, when I had the big surgery, uh, our friends, um, Skylar Peak and Pascal Stansfield and, and Brandon Richards, who owns Val Surf back home. Yeah. They started a contest called the Malibu Invitational, which was an invitational professional shortboard contest at First Point Malibu, um, surf rider. And that ran for 10 years. And that was, you know, that was the contest and it helped pay for, you know, cause like that, I didn't really, I didn't bring this up at all, but that surgery in 2007, when I was 15, when I had my big, you know, big tumor removed from my abdomen, my insurance didn't cover it. Fuck, that's crazy. What's so, the fucking point of having insurance? Was, I know, I was out of coverage, but then, yeah, so we had to pay for that. Um, and how much did that cost? The minimum of 50,000. Minimum of 50,000. Um, and so that, you know, raises the money for that. And so there's, there's been continuously since, you know, every time that I've had to go through something, you know, the community rallies up and this time was insane. Like I've never, I've never felt so much support in my life, you know, like literally like inter like crazy international support. Mm. Like, I, you know, I'm just, when I, whenever I post something that's about my medical stuff, like I'm pretty on it, like not pretty, I'm really honest about you know, what I'm feeling, what I'm going through, how it's making me feel and how I know that like it's only temporary and I have to get through it because tomorrow's a better day. Mm. And that's just how it is. You know, it's like everything that I go through is only going to be temporary. You know, like, the pain's only going to be temporary. The sickness is only temporary. You know, like I know that I will be feeling better in a certain time. So if I can just get through this, like better days are ahead. Yeah. And so with that, you know, I was posting that and then, you know, there's people like, Brody Jenner was post, you know, post reposted one of my things and, uh, Bell Hadid posted one of my things. And like all of a sudden that, you know, I was getting messages that people that were like seeing my, you know, just my Instagram, like people from like, like I was getting people from like Russia and like Sweden from people from Africa, India, like, you know, saying like, Hey, I, I, I've read a few of your posts. Um, like you inspire me so much. Like I'm dealing with so much, but see, you know, hearing what you're going through and how you deal with it is is give me a better perspective on, on just daily life. And I'm like, if I can just, if I can inspire people through a fucking phone, mm. like that's, 
that's everything that I've ever wanted in life is is complete. Like I just want to help and inspire you know people are going through anything they're going through in life. And if I can just do that just through a phone and not never even meeting the person, then you know like I think my personal life is complete to be able to be able to help that many people. Mm. So that's all I really want to do is just to be able to give back, help, you know, provide hope and and strength to people who need it more than I do. Yeah, it's funny how like we talk about negative stuff of social media yeah uh a lot because i think that super obvious yeah that's like, a lot of obvious like we we're talking about with you know you were talking about with beerman it's like it social media can create the you know the worst thing you know people you know judging you have to create a you know certain persona of who you are you know it's like this it's like this big fake life people yeah put this, this highlight real yeah, yeah people put up this huge front of who they are on social media when in real life they have none of that or they are a complete different person mm. you know it's like it's it's such bullshit mm. but there's another side then of on the flip side yeah where you can either you know help other people you know be honest be brutally honest you know tell people exactly how you feel you feel like shit today mm. tell people because people want to hear that because people like you know people have bad days everyone has bad days it's a matter of how you get through the bad day which defines who you really are, you know, mm. and it makes the good days that much better is when you get through those bad days. Isn't it cool though, that people can, like you, you said like, Oh, it's just through a phone, but yeah. it's like, it is more than that these days. Yeah. And I think we're getting into like, we're getting into like a weird place with it where, I mean, and I don't think it's good. I don't think it's bad. I think it just is now what it is. Yeah. But that phone it like both of us dude our phone's right there in the fucking same spot yeah you know it's weird like it's it's kind of weird but i've got i've spoke to friends today from estonia i've spoken to uh friends that are in melbourne Mm -hmm. um i've connected just through the gypsy tales instagram with uh thousands of people all over the the world yeah it's it's crazy it is a pretty amazing thing that then that can come through and affect somebody's life in a positive way. It's just, insane. Ju- you know, just through a phone. But yeah. it, it, it is more than that in a way. And I guess it's like amplified on the bad side, but it's also just as amplified on the good side. Like yeah. for your story to be out there and, you know, like to, what do you say? One in 20 something? One people, in 25. Like that's fucking crazy, dude. There's seven billion people on on the on the earth. It's insane. And it's like to bring a one in twenty five person's story to the world and shed light on, you know, different things and, and sure it's like, you know, what your message is is like it's not gonna help that many people in terms of like not that many people have your specific exactly. case, but the mentality, some of the stuff with like the nutrition and the yeah. alternative treatments and things like that. I mean, you can affect people's lives. And I think it, it's a pretty, it's a pretty that's, fucking cool thing. That's the positive of these things is, yeah. is being able to help others. You know, obviously, like you said, like there's huge negatives and there's also huge positives. Mm. So like I try to use that as, you know, the positive aspect of that. And like I said, like the, you know, the positive is like people like, you know, Jason Anderson, like I've met him, I've hung out with him a few times. Like, you know, we would call each other friends, you know, we'd follow each other on social media and he reached out and was like, yo, like I'm here, you know, I'm here to help with any way I can. And then out of nowhere, he's like, 
I'm going to donate my gear that I wore. I think it was at Seattle Supercross in the mud. He goes, I'm going to donate that gear. Um, I'm going to sell an auction. I'm going to donate the money to you for your medical fund. Yeah, that's like, crazy. What? I was serious. Like, I was so mind blown and so honored and just like, I'm like, that's like the most, you know, I was just like, this is insane. Like, that's how social media works, you know? Yeah. My insurance doesn't cover the, what I'm going through down in Mexico. Like that's out of pocket. Like that's yeah. fundraising out of pocket straight up. I wasn't able to work for seven months, no income. Like this shit, it, it's, it's hard. You know, that's, that's the hard part about the medical stuff. It's like that. I don't try to, you know, let me let get me down is like, but the financial part of it, it's like, that's difficult. So like the, the, and the it's crazy awareness. that that's all you've ever known. Yeah. is like that financial hardship of, I guess like you've had the fundraising and stuff like yeah. that. So obviously it hasn't been like brutally It hasn't been tough brutally on, bad, no. But it's something that you've always had hanging over your head. Like even that's got to be like a weird way to kind of go through life. And It's not easy by no, any means. No, it's like, yeah, you, you always have this thought in the back of your head like... What if it stops? Yeah, like what if we, you know, it's like what... But then you don't, then you don't want to get down like the what ifs. Yeah. Like you don't... You know, it's like, it's always going to endless. Yeah. So it's like always, it's going to work out mm. like no matter what shit's going to work out. Like if I go in, when I get back to, you know, the States and I go in and have my scan and the tumor grew, then the tumor grew. It's going to work out. Mm. I'll go back down to Mexico. I'll do more treatments. You know, we'll do another fundraiser and make enough money to go down. Like, cause when I go to New Mexico, it's $65,000. Mm. For that three weeks. And that's not including, you know, like, you know. That ain't living. no pesos either. That's US No, that's dollars. US dollars. <laughs> that's a lot of fucking pesos, son. That's a lot of pesos. <laughs> so it's like, you know, if, and if that, if I have to go back and do more treatment, then I got to go do more treatment. It doesn't affect, you know, it's like, I know that I'm going to make it through it. It's just another bump in the road that I have to go over. Yeah. That's just what it is, you know it's all about how you think about it up here rather than like, you know, it's like, Oh my God, I have Whoa to go. Is me. Oh man. Like why me? Mm. No, it's why not? Yeah. Like what, what do you mean? Why me? Like I'm not here to get down on myself, not, you know, to be like, it's all about just looking forward and just being, you know, it's like, I'm grateful for the life that I've been given through my disease. Yeah. Like I wouldn't have, if I had to go through everything all over again to have what I have today, I would do it in a heartbeat because like the, what I have today, like mentally, physically, everything, you know, just life in general, being here on this podcast, like this is a life beyond my wildest dreams. And I would say 100% it's been because of what I've had to go through in my life to get to where I'm at today. Yeah. And I wouldn't change it for the world. And so if I have to go through more stuff in life and, and hardships and difficulties, then so be it. Like, that's yeah. just my life. You know, that's just what I'm here to go through and I'm accepting of it and I'm grateful for it and I'm content with it. And that's it. And it's like, that's just how I feel about it. And so do you think that, like, are your, were your parents together when you grew up? No. So my mom and dad were a summer fling. My dad worked at a jet ski rental spot. Mom yeah, he was, did. <laughs> yeah, he did. The old salty sea dog. <laughs> <laughs> and mom was I've just, seen this movie <laughs> <laughs> mom was just you know a young girl from Malibu and they had a little summer love and dad went back to college and mom gave him a call and was like I'm pregnant 
No shit. Yeah. A couple months later, I showed up. <laughs> <laughs> so, but has he been like active through your Huge, life? Huge, hugely active. In okay, life. cool. No. Well, so where was he? So is, he's not in California? No, or? he is. Yeah, okay, no, cool. he's, he's in the Valley. So he's like 30 minutes away from me. Okay, And cool. we're still like, we're like best friends. Yeah. Like love that dude. Amazing. Like honestly, the nicest man I've ever met in my life. So like, sometimes like that whole getting together because you're having a kid is probably the worst thing you could do. I would say so. If you don't actually want to be together. Yeah. Because now like you can have a, this relationship with your dad where you're like a fucking fan of his. Yeah. And it's like the situation is what it is. It's not like yeah, exactly. they got together and he was a piece of shit and then fucking. I mean like they both like my mom went through her stuff. My dad went through his stuff. Like they were both young kids, you know, that had a kid raising me. And it's like. You know, nobody's perfect. Like if I was mm. in their situation, I'd, I don't know what I've, you know, what I would have done. It's like that. It's scary. It's gnarly. Mm. And then having your kid be sick is even scarier. You know, it's yeah. like, that shit's Fuck. tough, dude. Like, you know, my dad would have been like 24 years old and he's got a, you know, a four year old, five year old. That's like sick, like, you know, in and out of the hospital. Like what the fuck? No idea what's going on. Like, holy shit. Your seven year old's got colon cancer. Like, whoa, like that's gnarly. Like I give both my mom and my dad so much respect for dealing with that and getting through it and handling it the way they did. Yeah. Like that shit isn't, you know, my mom was what she had me at 17. So she was 25 years old. And I, when I started going through cancer and I, you know, got diagnosed. Yeah. 20. That's, I don't even have a kid. I'm five years ahead of her. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, she already had two kids, single mom and dealing with a kid with cancer living on welfare. That's fucking crazy. That woman is the shit. So I guess like, yeah. So I, my point of that was like, you've do, do you think that this attitude and gratefulness and mindfulness of your situation come through your mum? Because even like, obviously me following on social yeah. media, like I know how close you guys are because of the way that you yeah. talk about her. I mean like my mom and then honestly, like I don't get my dad enough credit. Like my dad has been a huge part of you know, me getting through a lot of this stuff, you know, he was, my mom had an insane amount of compassion and empathy. And my dad was more like straight up front. Mm. And so like, I, sometimes I didn't want to listen to what he had to say just because I'd be like, you know, mom's more sympathetic or empathetic to me. Like she gets that it softer, yeah, softer. And dad was like, look, dude, like this shit sucks. Like he would be there for me, but he's like, look, you're going to deal with this for X amount of time, but you're going to have to learn how to grow up too. Yeah. You know, my mom's like, no, like, you know, you're going to do this. Then you, and it was like always this, you know, you know what, man, like that, that shit is, I feel like an underrated part of the process of a sick kid. So my auntie and uh, well, they're my cousins. Yeah. So it's my dad's first cousin. Yeah. So their, their li- little girl, Aaron mm-hmm. had stomach cancer when she was a, probably the same age when you were going yeah. through that. So I think she was like seven or eight. And she was in hospital for two years. Yeah. Dealing with it, right? And there's like this crazy connection that they have because she, my auntie, mm-hmm. had to pack up, move to Brisbane. Yeah. So it was a two hour flight away. Yeah. They stayed at the hospital. They lived together. Then they lived in like a, I think they lived in like the Ronald McDonald house or yeah, some, something, something like, like that. that. And, um, and then, um, my uncle stayed home with the eldest daughter mm-hmm. and you can really see this. Um, and they know it too. It's not like I'm sort of speaking out yeah. of school on it, but Aaron and, and my auntie is so close because they went through that yeah. and then 
the eldest daughter and then the father stayed there like that shit's fucking hard and like now like she she made it she's um obviously in remission and Mm -hmm. she's like doing really well yeah but the the effects of that and her not having a normal childhood yeah and then having that like crazy attachment with her mom almost was like it did hold her back in terms of like growing up oh 100 it's like how the fuck are you supposed to grow up like what's the other like yeah what's I the don't, other option that's you know? always been like a big conflict for me you know like not having normal childhood and not getting to you know not even just i experienced things that of like a normal childhood but not by any means a normal childhood of like just growing up and you know just normal shit that you would i don't even know what the fuck you would do and was it hard to like did it always feel like you were like the sick kid and if people were nice to you it was because yeah, you were a sick kid yeah, and I've, you were getting all of these things yeah like you I said felt, you felt guilty at times i felt like a charity case yeah which sucked doesn't feel good no no i'm like i want you to like me for me not because i'm i like you for you man Thanks, Chase. <laughs> <laughs> I do. Like, I can only imagine that. And then as as well as like the fundraising side of things and then yeah, like no, it's, it's having tough. to like worry that other people's money and, and their then, generosity and is what's judgment, gonna, mm. the judgment. And then people um, do that. It's really weird. Like, I, I don't like this side of, of, you know, the fundraising and helping others because there kind of turns into like judge and jealousy. Yeah. Why is, you know, he's got all this money. Yeah. And then it's like, say like, so this was a really tough one for my mom. Cause you know, like we've, we've gotten like falsely accused of shit growing up. Like, you know, like we got mm. all this money for my surgery at the same, you know, right, right after, um, my mom's ex-husband's parents gifted them with building them a deck around the house. Yeah. Like it just so, like it was already in the plans, you know, my medical stuff, raised all this money. People are like, you guys use that money to build a deck of your house. Uh, and my mom's like, you're fucking kidding me. That would fucking hurt. And it like, and it was like some of her friends, like, and it just got bad. And like, it, it was just like, people were spreading rumors and all this stuff. And it's like, how fucking dare you? Like, mm. and then I would go to them and be like, are you, you're serious. And they would look at me like, yeah, you guys use the money. I'm like, you're fucking serious. Like mind, what? Mm. Like mind boggled, just mind boggled. So this time around, you know, we were going through, you know, all the shit was happening. My mom had booked this big trip with my little sister because her being like, you know, we talked about yeah, like, you know, yeah. like the mother being, you know, my mom being with me so much, you know, there's a point that my, my younger siblings were a little bit neglected, actually more than a little bit neglected. And it killed me and, it, you know, it, like it hurt me that like that happened, you know, like my, my little yeah. sister needed a mom, you know, and my mom was with me a lot. And, you know, she was with, the, you know, like my grandparents or so on and so forth. So my mom, you know, she's, you know, she's going through school, going through college. She did a semester at sea. And when she finished, my mom was like, I'm going to meet you there and we're going to travel all through Europe by train, all this different stuff. They booked that in like November of last year, you know, October, November last year, all this stuff. My mom paid for it, you know, like booked everything, you know, set up payments so she could pay it off. You know, she still works her ass off. She's gnarly. Um, and then I got sick in February, you know, started going to treatments in March, April, May, you know, I was going through everything like that. All this money raised. My mom's like, this is going to happen again. Yeah. Like, fuck. And it's gotta be fucked because it's like, 
And I mean, it's like, it's not the same thing, but in my case, working for myself, right? Yeah. I can do whatever the fuck I want, yeah. basically. Yeah. Every day. Exactly. But I can't at the same time. Like yeah. before this podcast, we've been talking about this since Day in the Dirt. And the reason we haven't done it yet is because I've said to you, hey, let's, I want to have a fucking day off. I don't yeah. want to, let's have like a day. We'll go down the coast. We'll surf. We'll take some photos. We'll fuck around. Yeah. And then we'll do the podcast after that. Exactly. That was three fucking weeks ago. And you've been slammed and, ever since. And every single day I'm like, this week we'll do it for sure. Yeah. This week we'll do it for sure. But then the moment you do take that day. Yeah. There's people that are in your life that are like, well, fucking have a look at his life. Yeah, look at this There's guy. A, just cruising around, going surfing. They and find like the one thing. I know, the one thing. To just be like, oh, he doesn't do shit or fuck off everything else. And yeah. it's like, or you're using all this just to, you know, it's like. And then you get like the people, especially like work wise, if you've got like a video project that you're working on or you've got yeah. something that you're doing yeah. and then they see, especially with social media oh my and God. then they see that you're out doing something for you. God fucking forbid. You do something for yourself. You have a bit of, you have a day yeah. to do something. Yeah. And then all of a sudden you're like, oh, you know, you're just fucking around or isn't your life spectacular? And it's just like, fuck, like you can't be a prisoner to like in in your and i guess like it's not the same thing but it's very but similar in the it's sense it's being a hostage to society your well it's like uh, not you, society but like to to people's well it's like you're you're like you can't be a slave to your disease no and it's by like no means. so you've you've raised money and it's like it's not in your control how much or how little like exactly. you can kind of do what you can but then it's like you you then you don't want to live your life guilty and not doing things for yourself because of how you think other people may perceive that. Do they think that I'm spending this money to go on a fucking holiday or do they? So it's like, it it's would be really hard to just to not live your life as a slave to that kind of, to people's generosity. That's, that's, that's one of the hardest things. Like to be completely honest with you. So this trip coming down here, um, some of our closest family friends and some of like people that like, you know, I would consider like, you know, an older brother to me, um, uh, for my birthday. So I was going, you know, I was going through treatment during, you know, my birthday was in May. And so I was still going through treatment, all this stuff. And they came to me. So I was supposed to come down to Australia, um, for the quickie pro working for Hurley Mm. in well that, that would have been March. Ma- uh, February probably or early no, March early like, March it's it was like, like right Mar- it was like March 16th yeah or okay, like that. okay so I was supposed to come down here for that and shoot you know lifestyle photos for Hurley and do all this stuff like you know the pretty much tickets were being booked um that week I went and saw the doctor and everything happened and so that trip got you know obviously canceled everything happened I guess supposed to be down here for a month and, and shooting photos and surfing and doing all this different stuff so they had known, like my good friends had known about all that. Obviously they've been with me through everything that I've been going through. Um, and they, I wouldn't say well off, but they make good money what they do. Yeah. And so for my birthday, they just gave me a card and I was like, thank you so much. You know, first like I felt it, and I was like, why is it so thick? And I was like, thank you so much, obviously for coming out, da da da. Open up the card and it was Visa gift cards. Uh. And they're like, we want you to go to Australia. Like go, because you missed the trip. They're like, they're like, there's like everything that you know this time around. Like what you've gone through, you missed your trip. You know, you've been going through treatments. You've been handling everything so well. You've inspired us. You inspired so many people. Like, we just want you to just go to Australia and recharge and just have a good time. Mm. 
and even this trip, like people are like, you know, I've heard people talking like, oh, you're just using your fundraising money to go to Australia again. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, like you, it just, it, it really it hurts. Mm-hmm. That's a hard thing. You know, like I try not to let things phase me, but that shit kind of, that shit hurts. Yeah. Just like, you know, people, you try not to let judgment from other people affect your day to day life, but. People it's hard not to when it's that. Yeah, when it's like shit like that, you know. And then other, you know, when when you when you explain that to people, they're like, "Look, like people give you, you know, like fundraising money and all that stuff, medical money. Like people have to understand, like when if you're not working, like that is gonna go to gas money and it's gonna go to food money and your day to day life. You know, like a small portion of that is gonna go to that because you don't, you're not working, you have no financial income. Yeah, like." People who are going to judge you for that are idiots. Yeah. And that took a long time to settle in with me just because you feel guilty. You know, you're like, I feel like I'm taking money to just live life because like I said in the beginning, I don't feel sick. Yeah. I don't associate myself as a sick person. So it's hard for me to to wrap my head around that, you know, even though I'm going, you know, I do, you know, I was doing treatments three days a week. I was doing IV treatments three days a week and I was going to another doctor two days a week. So I was doing treatments five days a week. But I guess the reality is, is like, okay, you don't feel sick, but if you don't have this treatment, you'll die. That's what being sick is, Yeah, you know? Yeah. So it's like in that sense, like I think that, I think that I, I like the way that you frame that you don't feel sick, but At I the guess the, the day, reality is if you don't do the medical treatment, you'll die. If you can't afford to pay for the medical treatment, you'll die. Yeah. So it's like, in that sense, yes, you yes, are sick. Yes, I am sick. Yeah, yeah exactly. So, but in the terms of how you feel day to day. Yeah, just and, like life in general. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. That's what I meant to perceive it as. Exactly, yeah. But, yeah, that's what the hardest part is, like, you know, when you look at it in that way. Mm. But. So, what sort of um, what sort of fundraising stuff, like, did you guys do so it's just like people that kind of like get behind and like do the auction oh, so well we should talk about Berriman oh, actually yeah. so this is gonna come we'll, we'll put this podcast out today yes um but tomorrow uh so that would be give people some perspective so that'll be the third of october you'll yeah. actually be able to bid on tyler Berriman's x games gear the which, gear that he wore and got third place in the quarter pipe yeah so i've got it here i'll yeah, put some photos up but it's the red bull helmet and so for x games Beerman actually took inspiration off my tattoos yeah so he did the the live fast die last fuck cancer courage shines from within um what else did he do he did the evil can evil on my arm PMA, which is positive mental attitude, which is I try to live every day. Yeah. Like PMA. That's just the jam. Yeah. Always. Um, so yeah, everything on the helmet. Uh what did I just I did uh Heroes Past, Legends Never Die. Yeah. And then so his uncle was is also battling cancer and he, you know, hung his dog tag eighty six off that and then he did the skeleton the skeleton with the two surfboards going through it. And um and then did my dog tags. So, yeah. So, um, we'll, we'll be able to uh, bid on that. I believe it's on eBay. We're going to post it. It'll be it. on eBay, yeah. We're going to post a link. Um, I mean, the links will be everywhere. But if you want to look at it, well, I'll post like a gallery of these images um, to the Instagram. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll send it all out. I'll but, throw it on mine too and everything. 
So yeah, so that's gonna go. So that will go towards. Um, it'll your go. It'll go through mine, and then I actually want to donate. Um, there's two foundations that I have uh, that I'm really closely tied with. One that's not even um, cancer related. It's just a foundation that I just support dearly. Yeah. Um, but the first foundation foundation is a uh, Young and the Brave. Um, it's a uh, Nathaniel Curran from Ventura. He was a world tour surfer. Now he's the team manager for uh, Channel Island Surfboards. Yep. He started it. The Young and Brave is based about supporting, um, you know, under, you know, under 18, even up, you know, obviously myself, just kids and youth who are battling cancer and different medical needs. Yeah. Um, just supporting the family, raising money, awareness, and just being helpful to them, you know, in general, any, any way possible. And Young and Brave is an amazing foundation. Um, they've helped a lot of families that I know really well with kids who are battling cancer. They have been a huge support and, um, uh, a really big part of, you know, my treatment the last, I would say four years, everything that I've gone through, uh, good friends of mine, again, amazing foundation. I would check out just the, the young and brave. Yeah. And then the other one's Therasurf, which is some of my best friends. Um, one of my, you know, an idol of mine started it, uh, it takes kids with special needs surfing. Um, he started it about 10, 11 years ago with his uh, stepson who I don't know his exact, um, he's got autism and, and yep. uh, special needs, but he would, you know, freak out on the land. And then he finally, you know, started putting him in the water and he would uh. calm down and he started taking him surfing and he would get so excited. So he started that foundation um, about 11 years ago and then has passed it to, you know, the younger generation who are two guys who are my best friends and they run the foundation. And so it's all about just getting kids in the water, yeah. you know, and it's just, just, just helping out, you know, kids, with special needs, whether it's, uh, you know, autism, uh, cerebral palsy, like just anything, um, anything to do with, you know, just say, you know, disability. Yeah. Um, so you have actually taken some of the, like, I guess the extra money that you've got and you're actually kind of putting stuff into other organizations yeah. as well. Yeah. yeah. I, I want to support and give back to people that have, have helped me, you yeah. know, and, and, and if I can give back to, you know, like the community that's helped me and then to get back to, you know, like foundations that are, I would say from Malibu, that's just someone that, you know, that's, that's a huge inspiration to me that inspires me to be a better person. I want to help support them. And then the young and brave, which has been stupid help for me. Like they've done so much for me. And if I can give, you know, money towards them just to help just the company, you know, I mean, not the company, the foundation expand, you know, into a bigger, anything bigger than that's all I want to do. And do you like, cause I think that, like I got a, a chick coming on this show and she's a farmer, mm-hmm. right? So she's like full fucking outback Australia. Yeah. She's a good looking chick, young, runs her farm, yeah. like cattle and sheep and all that sort of stuff. And I think that, and, and the same with, um, when we had Emma Carey on, she fucking fell out of a plane, skydiving, got paralyzed. Now she can walk again. Mind boggling. And it's like, she's a beautiful young chick and such a great positive message. And I think that, those kinds of people, and I think you feel a similar category, right? Mm-hmm. You don't look like the average uh, cancer survivor or the average, um, you know, 
G-Mac, she don't look yeah. like the average farmer. But it's like they're the people that kind of like move the needle because yeah. there's like it makes you take notice because you're like, oh, that's not my stereotypical cancer yeah. guy or, or that's not my or, yeah, farmer or paraplegic. Yeah, exactly. And I think that they're the people that, you know, can kind of capture people's attention because it almost you want to take a second look. Yeah, you're like, like what? he went through that or she does that or she was how you know it's it like you said it just it it's changing the guard as to what the stereotypical kind of view of that is so like do you think that that's going to be like a part of your life's work now is to try and like bring awareness to to certain i mean it's like we all know what cancer is and about cancer i guess but it's like what's the message that you want to kind of give out is it just the general message of like hope and attitude like you know that pma and yeah. that whole thing but is there also like a treatment side like i guess what are you passionate I mean, I about just, sort of going forward all with that? of that i i just want to like i said like i want to inspire number one i want to help others like that's my main thing that i want to do is i just want to help others inspire and if i can give any knowledge that i have and help others with that then that's another part of it. You know what I mean? Mm. Like to like to push, you know, open-mindedness. That's a huge thing I would say It's like just being open-minded into looking into different options, different uh, treatments and not being closed-minded and just going down one path. Um, but yeah, like I would say what my biggest goal and everything that I've been through is just to help others mm. in all aspects. So like everything that you just said, I just want to just put that all into one bundle and just help. Mm and inspire and and you know educate if i can mm. with whatever i've gone through because at the end of the day all the um all the knowledge and you know experience and everything that i've had like what am i going to do like you know take that to the grave with me it's like i need to give that back mm. and help everyone that i can who is in need of help mm. um whether they've contacted me or not you know like if i can just portray my life in, in the most positive way yeah. and live in the most positive way. Um, and that can help someone that I've never met before or a close friend of mine, then I'm doing, you know, I'm doing my job yeah. on, on this earth. When you like, were there times where you legitimately thought you were going to die? Cause I mean, as much as like, yeah, you've, yeah. you're a positive guy, but like you've got to override. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I'm sure to be positive at yeah. first, you have to override. You got to override that. Shit. I mean, I don't know. I'm trying to think if there's ever been. Um, we're good. What's that? I'm still on the camera. We're good. I'm just going to. I think uh, the focus. Is, stay there. I'll just oh. move it real quick. It's the focus. Did I just get back? No, no, you're good. Um, I honestly. I don't think. But you know what? A big part of it was my mom dealt with a lot of the um, mental side of things. And I would deal, you know, she would just be like, you know, you have to go through all the physical part of it. Like, I'm going to deal with the mental aspect of it. So she wouldn't like if like if that were to happen, like I said, like she didn't tell me. Mm. So I never knew. So I never knew that I like, you know, it's like, you know, I think that the thought grows through your head like I can die from this but I never really let it penetrate my mind. Yeah. Like it's just something that I just never. So she like actively shielded you from the reality of it. 
at, at the start. Yeah, the start, yeah. And then as because I got older... now, like, you're old enough to kind of know, right? Yeah, I understand it now. But I think as a kid, she would, you know... It's hard when you have it... When you're young and someone tells you, you know, like, oh, you know, you're going to... You have a big chance of dying. You know, like, everyone has a... You know, everyone every day can, you know, anything can happen and someone can die. But, like, someone tells you, you know, directly, like... Yeah, yeah, you got three months to live, and you know, most likely you're not going to make it. I think as a seven, you know, a seven year old. I don't know. You can't. Yeah. I don't know like how, how you. you I don't know how you. I don't know how you would handle that. Yeah. Or process that. So, you know, with her, she was like, you know, she never brought it up and never told me that. Like, you know, she'd always be like, everything's gonna, you're gonna be okay. You know, just yeah. to, to enforce that positivity through me, but I, it never really crossed my mind. I mean, there was, there's been. Um, I've been in like car accidents and you know motorcycle accidents like where I've crashed and shit. Where I'm like, in my mind, I'm like, this could be it. Yeah, right. like that could be it. Like that that thought of death has crossed my mind, but medically, it never really is like. I suppose like the fact that when you were young and not really able to process it, and your mom like kind of didn't really tell you that oh yeah they've they've given you three months but we're not going to listen to them yeah then it's like you start beating it i guess it just becomes like this expected like learned behavior like oh yeah i get sick and then i get better yeah and now you're old enough to realize like okay so if this tumor doesn't shrink i could die but you've already had all of these wins for the last 26 years yeah and i'm like i'm not losing anytime soon yeah like when it comes to medical i'm like I just, yeah, I don't know. It, it that's, It's a weird, it's a weird, you know, aspect to look at it that way. But I just don't, like the thought of death doesn't really cross my mind yeah. when it comes to medical. Yes, it is a very real part of what I go through and it can happen. And the fact that I haven't died yet is mind boggling to me as well. The other people that have your disease, like, do you know? I've met, I've, because like the, so my exact mutations, you know, one in 300 million. Yeah. Um, but Gardner syndrome as a whole, which is called FAP, there are people with different mutations of that, you know, of yeah. their exact mutations, but in the disease, like in like this, you know, in the blanket of Gardner syndrome, I've met other people with it, um, who've had very similar, you know, situations and side effects that I've had. I've never met anybody who's had it who's died from it so far. I was going to say, yeah. Do you know the people that, like, have died from it I know people who have died from, you know, from desmoid tumors. I know people that have died from colon cancer, cancer in general. But with FAP, I haven't met anybody. Everyone that I've met so far hasn't died. That's crazy. Yeah. That's wild. Yeah, when you think about, like, how rare that that is. Um, I wanted to talk about the, the weed stuff. So you said that when you were going through chemo, you didn't like smoke weed or no. take advantage of any of that, but you did do CBD. CBD oil. Yeah. So CBD obviously is known to, um, stop, you know, cancer growth or, you know, kill cancer cells, uh, tumor growth. Um, I met some, let me move that over a little bit right there. Yeah. No, you're uh, I met some people that do the Rick Simpson oil, which is, you know, that was grown. That's strange. What's that? Rick Simpson oil was grown. Uh, I forget. Like, I don't know the whole backstory on it, to be honest. I don't want to bullshit anything, but uh, people can do their own research yeah, if they yeah. want to go that deep. So RSO, you do this what you yeah, know Rick about Simpson it. oil. Um, that's like, I, I would say like the, the most 
generalized CBD oil for cancer patients. Yeah. Uh, and there's, I think there's different strains within it, but yeah, like, so I, this, this company, um, Mary Jo brand from Newport, uh, this guy, Ryan Rankin, he started this cold brew, uh, CBD infused cold brew. Uh. Yeah. So it's supposed to like, like give you energy, but not make you feel, I don't really know. I don't get, I never drank it, Yeah. but they took their profits and they started making CBD oil for cancer patients and they would contact, they contacted me and they told me, you know, their whole story and all that stuff. And they're like, we take our, you know, whatever extra oils and and profits we have from that. And we give them to cancer patients for free. Like that's what we want to do is, what's the name of the company? Mary Jo. Mary Jo brand. Yeah. It's, it's like I said, CBD infused, uh, cold brew. Yeah. From Newport. Yeah. Really cool. Like, I mean, I've, you know, I'd like to try it and see. Um, but so I was on that and it helped me, you know, like help me sleep a little bit. Like, I don't know. I don't like the effects of, of weed. Yeah. I just never have. Yeah. No, it's just me. But my other friend has this stuff called, uh, oh fuck. What is it called? It's a CBD spray. Yeah. Like it's like under the tongue spray. And then for nighttime, when I was feeling sick, it was CBD melatonin okay. that I still use. It's like the best sleep in the world. Yeah. It's just like taking a melatonin tablet, but with CBD infused. So like it, it, any inflammatories and stuff yep, like that. Yeah. All that jazz. Yeah. Um, so I've been doing that. Like I still take that, still take CBD spray. Um, and then CBD tablets, you know, dissolvable tablets, yeah. like 10 milligrams. And then, uh, and yeah. Yeah, that's good. So did you know, because it's something that I'm like super interested in because I know for myself in terms, just like with training and sleep and things like that, that I know that that cannabis is like insanely fucking helpful yeah. for so much shit. But like you said, some people it's not a pleasant experience. Yeah, some not, people it's a, an amazing experience. Yeah. But did, so did you see a lot of other... Um, cancer patients that you know or you kind of saw through yeah. treatment that were using oh, cannabis? Oh, 100%, yeah. Really? And yeah. what was their, like, firsthand, I guess, because you read a ton of anecdotal shit and now it's like, weed's a fucking commodity now. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so it's like that now, unfortunately, we're not getting those firsthand kind of... Um, firsthand like this is how it helped me i had this cancer this fucking worked so now it's a lot of marketing and a lot of bullshit essentially i would say so So for me because i'm a guy that kind of pedals it based on my own experience but i've never been sick in that way so it's like what was the the consensus that you got from people that did were like using cannabis as a part of their treatment so i mean like i had i had people like messaging messaging me saying that they didn't do any chemo they're only doing you know rso rick simpson oil or what i think it was like the white widow or something like that they called it which was the strain and they're like i only did that no chemos nothing else and my you know i i cured my cancer just by cbd mm. which like i've done a lot of studying and i've, I've researched a lot i mean the the side you know the benefits of actual cbd and thc together are miraculous like they they uh as there's been studies showing that people have literally solely cured cancer, their cancer, yeah. uh, just by taking CBD oil, um, with the THC in it, you know, how it activates the CBD. Um, other people, while they're going through chemo, they would, you know, either have like a little vape pen or they would try to, you know, like anything to get their like appetite. Edibles and stuff Ad- like that. Well, edibles is hard because like you'd have no appetite when you're on chemo. Yeah. So they would smoke a little bit or something like that or, yeah. or you know, like any the vape pen just to get them, get their appetite back. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
yeah, I mean, the, the anti-inflammatory, obviously there's CBD topicals that, you know, like, if you, you know, like, if you tear anything, you know, like a ligament or something like that, or if you injure yourself, like the CBD topicals that, that soak in, um, like I was doing for a long time rubbing, you know, the topical on the, my visible tumors on my chest and on my hip and stuff like that. And I think from physically, you know, like visibly it looked like they shrunk on the scans. They stayed the same. It looked like they got smaller from the outside. Uh, so I don't know. Like I've, I, I think, like I said, it goes back to being everyone's different and yeah. everyone has different ways, you know, like their body is reactive to different things, yeah. different times and but, all that stuff. And uh, I mean, like you said, like your body didn't work for 99% of chemos. Yeah. So it's like, I think that, I think it's just frustrating that if it works for you, like in Australia, it's just not legal. Yeah. And it's like, if it works for you, why why the fuck can't I do it yeah and stupid and even like man like my nana's fucking 80 years old mm-hmm. and she's just white like literally just fading away yeah like she doesn't eat and I'm like I wish that she could like have some kind of vape pen that she would have just a bit and then, some, and then get hungry yeah just like, create an appetite yeah she's 80 years old and she's not hungry ever like that's fucking really bad for your health yeah that's and not then, good and then it's all this shit starts to go downhill from there and it's like if there was you know and I guess it's the way that like you look at companies like um, that are really starting to get legit in the US with like the whole like with cannabis products and stuff it's starting to look like medical equipment yeah it's and crazy there's even companies that are going away from like uh, fucking Pineapple Express and OG. Oh Kush no, they're going like they're going like full medical names of like CBD FN10. Oh shit, yeah, you know? no, it's like full on. I mean, there's there's this thing in LA, MedMen. Have you heard of MedMen? No. It's like a it's like a uh, dispensary, but they do like edibles and all this stuff, and it's full on like vegan, like paleo yeah, edibles, like yeah. crazy, like insane shit they're trying to break that stigma i guess yeah exactly because that's all that's holding it back is it's just stigma uh, that's all it is now and if you think about it like i'm just gonna change this focus again real quick oh yeah i'm leaning back now that's i'm getting comfy yeah it's hot it gets hard after a while after a while you gotta lean forward lean back i look good we're fine um yeah it's 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 now i think the the last thing that's left is the stigma of like it being like oh it's fucking weed yeah it's like, sure, I don't want to smoke it. That's not what I want, but it works as a medical, mm. you know, as a medical drug. I, I, you know, you could say. Yeah, it's just a, it's a it's a treatment. And yeah, it's, it's like, a treatment. And to it's a fucking herb. It's a plant. It's a plant medicine. Yeah, it's insane. And for people like, and like, oh man, I even say like to my mom and stuff that it's like, she's like, she'll burn rosemary or like take, you know what I mean? Yeah, take these like uh, lavender, you know what I mean? Like incense. It's like, I'm doing the same exact yeah, thing. It's, like, it's the same fucking the, thing. It's yeah. lavender. It's a cannabis plant. Like yeah. you're burning something to get a smell to then get a feeling. You're like yeah, ingesting exactly. something. Yeah. It's like, it's the same stuff, but we're just like right now, we're just in like the dying stages of the prohibition. Yeah, I would say. And it's all going to stop soon. And it's like our generation will be the one that sees all of this shit. Like the change. Yeah. It's like, I would say my generation was the last of seeing from no cell phone to cell phone. And what it is. Same thing. Yeah. It's like our generation is the last one to see, you know, to, to grow up without a phone, without a phone and like this type of technology. Yeah. You know, internet was real fucking slow. Didn't really go on a computer. Mm. Didn't really play video games. 
Like you just went outside and played, you know, you rode your bike, you skated, you surfed, surfed you, you did shit. Yeah. Like you didn't play video games all day. Yeah. And then I think the next generation is going to start seeing like the whole next wave of, you know, what's going to happen with like, you know, the medical world mm. as well as like you said, the you know, like the last stage of prohibition for, you know, medical marijuana and shit like that. Yeah. And you think about like, it, it's frustrating for me because, and I mean, I've said this a bunch of times, but it's like. You, we talk about like the cartel and you talk about like crime and you talk about all this shit. All it stems from is drugs being illegal. Yeah, exactly. Like all of the fucking problems that you've got associated. Legalize like, it and then watch these motherfuckers disappear. Like what? Yeah, and it, but that's what happened. Like w- exactly that happened with the mafia. Yeah. Like the mafia in, in New York City and all that, they controlled the alcohol yeah exactly bootlegging alcohol through the prohibition yeah and it's like that's what gave the mafia its power and then they took that away and then now they they have to go into like loan sharking and gambling and stuff exactly so i guess in a sense like the argument is that they'll go into something they'll go into something else but it's like well let's at least go into something else that not we don't know everyone's going to do whatever the fuck yeah. it is that they're going to go into we see we know that everyone is going to do drugs that, yeah you know what i mean like that supply and demand is never changing it's and it's like always going to be there they tried to beat that war by uh by influencing the demand yeah. which didn't work so it's like you've got a supply and demand chain you're trying to cut off the demand like you're trying to stop the demand yeah well that didn't work yeah. so now you got to do something about the supply you can't stop people in another country smug uh, growing yeah. drugs where it's fucking da- they're down to do it yeah exactly and then you're always going to have poor people that are going to take the risk to get that drug from a to b yeah exactly because of gonna- a the money that comes with it and be the promise of a new life when they do cross the border in America and they don't get caught. Yeah, exactly. So it's like, it's just frustrating. And it's frustrating when you watch, um, people go without. Yeah. That could benefit. That's the hardest thing. Yeah. That's the hardest thing. It's like, it's like one thing when you have like, you know, you're super stoners, you're like, ah, it's like whatever, you know, they could go, you know, that we could do without weed. But then when you look at it as the medical side or like, you know, the beneficials, when you see someone like, you know, like your grandma who could significantly benefit from just, you know, using it as a medical. Just to make her eat. Yeah. Just to give her like an appetite. Yeah. It's like, what else is out there that can make someone happy, hungry, and tired? Yep. <laughs> Literally. Exactly. Like, yeah, exactly. What else is out there? All three in one. Yeah. But to do that, you're on Zoloft and then yeah, you're, you're on fucking this. And then, and then, then this side effect that. is going to yeah. make you take this and then you can't sleep. So we're going to give you Xanax. And then the combination of that might kill you, but yep. take it anyway. Yeah. Fuck that shit. Yeah, the shit fucking blows my mind. Oh, but I God. mean, yeah, it's just like it, it is interesting because like I do I do peddle that argument and I yeah. am like I am a person that's like, what the fuck are we doing here still? Why yeah. like why I'm like even my dad's knees are fucked. I would love for him to be able to rub C B D oil on his And knees. you guys can't I mean, fuck, I guess I, I brought my C B D spray like just literally on my carry on. Yeah, but see, like, where do I get it from here? To, yeah, you know what I mean? true. Like, you I wonder if they're gonna I wonder if they're gonna fuck with me when I'm going home. Nah, because it's no. they don't give a fuck about shit leaving the country. <laughs> like seriously, like, really? They're like, no. don't bring anything here, but you can take anything you want home. You can do whatever the fuck because then it's their problem. Oh yeah, you know what I mean. So that's why you don't get stopped. That's like California. Like you know, if people that fly with fucking actual nugs of weed, I had or like friends, edibles and shit. I had friends like I mean, fuck, I. 
I flew from LA to New York with, you know, bit of bud. Yeah, <laughs> like a quad. Yeah. <laughs> like in my when I was younger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For faithless. When I was like, you know, like eighteen. Yeah. Um, yeah, I flew from LA to New York with a well, quad thing, in my like, in my in my check in luggage. Yeah, you think TSA gives a fuck? No. They're like you take it out. What they want is money. Unless, unless like someone sees it and they're like, oh, fuck this kid, like, or fuck this guy, like, I'm just gonna grab it and take it for myself. But I feel like the paperwork that would be involved with like writing up an 18 year old kid for a fucking quarter of weed. No, but like the dude would probably just steal it and pocket it and just zip up my bag again. Yeah, see, that should have probably happened. That would probably happen, yeah. They want, they, they want shit coming in. They want drugs coming in and they want money going out. Yeah, So they want to stop the drugs coming in and then they want to stop the money going out. Yeah, exactly. So it's like you can fly. like And as here, then like leaving America, if you got CBD or whatever, they'd be like, "Mm, fuck it. Australia's problem. And then you get into Australia and then you leave and then like, oh, America's problem. Yeah, exactly. So they just just literally don't give a fuck. But if you had like a bunch of money, then they're like, hey, where's this money coming from? Yeah, what'd you do? (laughs) That's why like for over 10 grand, you have to... Um, you have to declare. Really? Yeah, when you have more than 10 grand. I've had a friend stopped in um, LA because they had... No, maybe he wasn't stopped. Maybe, I think from... If I remember the story right. He had like a bunch of money. Yeah. This guy. And then like when they landed, he um, he got out with it. So he got it out of the country. Yeah. Then when he landed in America, they all went... Like he went for a piss like when they got into the customs line. Mm-hmm. And then he was like, all right, so I got to split this money up. They were going to Vegas. <laughs> oh, my God. And he God. was on, like, a, a list. Yeah. So he's like, we're going to split this money up. I'm going to give it all to you guys. He's like, five grand each or ten grand each or whatever, because yeah. that's what you could bring in. And he's like, if I don't make it, have fun in Vegas. <laughs> oh, my God. And I'm pretty sure he got pegged. And then No way. Yeah. And everyone just went to Vegas with all his money? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> Savage. That sucks so bad, Oh, uh, fucking classic. <laughs> Jesus, dude. But, yeah, like, a lot of times they just... Cause dude, when I was like, when I was in the States, like all the fucking boys were just flying with like mad shit. They just didn't care. Yeah. Cause they're just like, eh. yeah. especially leaving California. But like, if you land in like Texas or something like that, I'd be like, what, how are they going to find it? Yeah. Cause it's not like they really got sniffer dogs and shit. I mean, they do, but you just, like, but if I, you, I if think you... even they said they're only really sniffing for like money and, um, like explosives and shit. Are they? I thought they were sniffing for like weed and shit too. I just don't think they. Give I don't. A fuck. Maybe not anymore now mm. that it's legal. Like I don't, maybe not. I don't mm. fucking know. What do you um? What do you think are like the main difference between here and the states? Mm. Coffee culture, obviously. Obviously, is, coffee yeah. culture. Um. Everyone's way more than mellow. I'd mm. say and nicer. Yeah. I feel like people are pretty fucking nice down here. Majority uh, people. Yeah. I mean, obviously, like, back home, you know, someone went over to the States and they're, like, or, like, in California, everyone's, like, oh, everyone's really nice. But I feel like down here, people are, like, genuinely, like, happier. Mm. Like, everyone's just, like, happier. Everything's way more mellow. It's always, you know, a lot of two easies. Yeah. And, like, no worries. Um, yeah, I mean, I would say that. Like, that. that's what draws me back is, like, you know, just the the people. Yeah. Like, that. that's a huge part of it is, like, the people, like, how stoked everyone is how nice everyone is the beaches are fucking insane dude i used to say to people all oh, like the beaches down here are in like the sand like the yeah. like silk like yeah. fuck off with your guys's fucking silk sand yeah that's what i used to say like people go you want to go to the beach i'm like no not really 
And I used to get called like a downer all the time. Yeah, like I just don't. I'd be like, I'd go to the beach to surf. Yeah. But I'm not going to the beach to hang, like ever. Yeah. Over there. No. And I'm just like, ah. Uh, like, you, it's do like kind of dirty do you know and the what, water like, sucks. Yeah, yeah. Like, literally, the water everywhere is crystal clear all the time. Like, mm. no matter like how fucking overcast it is. I mean, like, unless you have like a big rain and like, you know, one of the ports or fucking. Yeah, rivers. Rivers runs, run yeah. through. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, Every day it's been crystal clear. Like when it's sunny and like offshore and you paddle out, it's like literally... You, you can see the bottom you, no matter how deep it is. Well, yeah, you don't know how deep it is because yeah. it looks like it's fucking like two feet deep everywhere. Yeah. Even when you're sitting at the back, like it just looks so clear. Mm. Oh God, I fucking love that shit. Yeah. Like it I was, love that. Yeah, I, I'd always say, and yeah, I'd always get shit people just being like, oh, fuck colored people, oh, fuck, I'll show you so much better. And I'm like, you haven't been there. Like, come. And Go then, there. Yeah, and then you'll see for yourself, like, holy shit, it is so much better. Yeah, like, I'm not that guy that's, like, talking shit. There's definitely stuff here that's better. Yeah. And I'll admit it. You yeah. know what I mean? But when like it comes the beach, to the beaches, suck a dick. Dude, They're not fucking better. so fucking good. Like, like, even just, like, just going down, like, Dreamtime and Fingal. Mm. Like it's so fucking epic, just the it's just. There's unreal. a lot of locals that are uh, Fingal though. Big, is, big, big ones with big fins. Oh yeah, they fucking freak me out. Yeah, someone. So I paddled out at Snapper. Was it two nights ago? And right before I paddled out, like twenty guys literally just jolted in. They're like, there was a big fucking bull shark that just chased us out, and I was like, really? And then the little rubber ducky, you know, like the the lifeguards yeah, and the boats yeah, go out yeah. there and you know chase it back out. And I was like, fuck. I'm like, but they're kind of always there. It's yeah, the, they are. You know, if you don't think about it, they're not there. Yeah, true. So they might um, like just wanted to just surf it while it just got uncrowded for a little bit until the crowd comes back out. That is the bad thing about here. Yeah. There's crowds. Well, Fingal, like I surfed last time I was here. Not a lot of people surf there though. Like Snapper and stuff is like well, super crowded. Because you, you guys got, there's the nets. Yeah. Like Queen Queensland's got the nets. It's got, it's got shark nets. And New South Wales doesn't have shark nets because mm. it's like the the ecosystem shit. Like yeah. you know, dolphins get caught in it, fish get caught in it. Like there's all this stuff getting caught in the nets, but it's you know safer. Like yeah. you know, there's not a lot of sharks. There are you know probably ways sharks get in, but still, it's got to be better than nothing. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I wish that they'd go like deeper into the whole electromagnetic stuff. Yeah, like, it can't be that hard to put like it's like right underneath surf spots like we know where the fucking takeoff is at snapper yeah and we know at Byron, and like there's all those places where it's, it's like, just a little pulse yeah put something there that's gonna freak them out like all those shark leash you know like those fucking yeah. shark leash videos and shit do they work i don't know like on the I've videos it looks one. like they work they're like 200 dollars. yeah I, I think they're more than that dude i think they're actually pretty fucking expensive maybe your guys is down here are more expensive oh yours back home aren't i think i think they're a little bit cheaper everything's a bit cheaper in america though yeah, but you guys' wages are a lot higher. I don't know. I had this argument this yeah, morning. I, don't know I had it, it this morning. Yeah, I don't know if it works out, eh? Like, well, I'm, like you you guys get paid like $25 to be like a barista down here. Mm. Like a barista back home, he makes like $11.50, $12 at most. Yeah. Like, yes, your price of living is, you know, that much more. So, I mean, I think, it, I think it evens out yeah. at the end of the day. Yeah, that's what I mean. I don't think, yeah. I think people always say like, oh, it costs a, uh, yeah, you guys make a lot more. But I think that it's kind of offset. I think that, I just think people spend what they fucking make. 
Yeah. No matter what they make. Yeah. So it's like, I think it evens out. Everyone's always broke. Based on, yeah. Everyone's, everyone's just always going to spend the, the money that they yeah, make. Yeah, that's always, saving is the hardest thing in the world. Yeah, I don't fucking save. I don't know how to save. I don't have a savings account. My girlfriend saves and I'm like, the fuck are you doing? What she's, like, that for? she's like, I want to buy a house. I'm like, God, oh, good point. Yeah, I'm like, I'm, fuck, I'm, I'm great just get, point. I'm just getting to that. I'm like, fuck, I'm late to that party. But I'm, I'm like, f- I want to own a house. Like, how sick is it to own something? Mm. Like, own a house. That's your house. I've just started thinking that. I'm like, fuck, I'm late <laughs> to this party. I should have <laughs> been on this shit ages ago. Like, I'm 26. Like, I want to start saving money. I want to buy, like, you know, I want to buy a little ranch. Mm. Where, do, where are you looking at? Where do you reckon? Yeah. Oh, you shouldn't have said that. <laughs> Why? <laughs> because he doesn't. I'm gonna have to delete that. He doesn't put out that location. Oh. It's alright. I can cut it out. Bail that. Bail yeah. that. We'll bail out on that one. Because yeah, I said <laughs> that. I said that when he was on here. I was like, oh man, fucking roll And he's like, don't say the town. No one knows. Yeah. Bail that. Yeah. Yeah. I'll, I'll cut that out. I mean, people will find out, but I'm sure. Like, let's keep it as hard as possible to find. Yeah. It's so fucking sick. Right when there, you though. said that, I was like. Oh fuck! No, that's, right. <laughs> that's no harm, no foul. We can <laughs> yeah. cut it out. But, by, um, by Dave Castillo. By yeah, up around that. I'll that. live by Castillo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's fucking so nice. So I can go there. ride Castillo Ranch now. Isn't oh, because Zach could close. Zach could close, but now it's whatever. Castillo Station is the new one. Is that Zach Station at Castillo Ranch? Yeah, okay. It's opening up in like two months. Yeah, so what happened? Do you know why Zach could close? Was it something to do with the land? It was the land. It was yeah, the owners okay. of the land didn't want to renew the lease. Yeah. Because okay. like it used to be a public track. Yeah. And then it got turned into a private track where you had to like be on the list to get in. Yeah. And then they're like, we're not re-signing. Like they're just, they were just yeah. done. But it's going to be a Castillo, which is like what, 10 minutes away yeah, from not, Saka? Yeah. yeah, it's fine. Um, when which did you start easy. riding? When I was four. And Christmas. who got you into that? My mom's brothers. So okay. my mom had one older brother who was... 18 when I was born and then two younger brothers that were 10 and 13 when I was born. Yeah. So I pretty much grew up with like older brothers. Yeah. That would just punt it like just beat the uh, shit out of me as a kid. So but they were also my, your uncles. They're my uncles. Like you, yeah. So I when guess, I was a little yeah. kid my grandma used to be like oh the uncle brothers because you guys are like the you know only 10 yeah. years apart. So they got me into surfing, skating, snowboarding and riding moto. That's fucking rad. Yeah. I was fucking badass. So where we grew up because my family moved to Malibu in 1947. Like way like moved to Point Doom in nineteen forty seven before that was a destination, like a location to move to. Before it was like expensive. Yeah, before well no nobody lived past the colony, you know, like where where Surfrider is and like the yeah. colony and all that stuff. Like that was the furthest north people wanted to live because that was like, you know, only whatever, twenty minutes away from Santa Monica, Venice, all that stuff. That was like, you know, in the boonies. Yeah. And so if you lived on, you know, up by Point Doom, that was like the real fucking boonies. Like that's where the ranch houses was. Like there was oh, nothing shit. up there. So my family moved out there in 47. Like my grandma moved there when she was six months old um, with my great grandparents. And so we had, uh, it was 14 acres back, you know, way no back in the day. Shit. Yeah. And so like my grandma grew up How like. How much of that do you still have? We just sold it this year. For fucking bank. No. So my great grandpa fucked up. What? So they're like, they're like, uh, he wanted to put a well on the property. And they're like, if you put a well on the property, you can't subdivide. Uh. And he's like, yeah, fucking no one's ever going to move here anyway. I'm never going to have to subdivide or never have to sell my property. It's all good. Um, so he's like, I'm putting a well on my property. Like, fuck it. Put a well on it. Obviously, Point Doom is now one of the most, you know, 
sought out places. Yeah, yeah, and sought yeah. out to move to. And so when it came down to it, we we're like, oh, we can, you know, we can keep the property because like, you know, the property taxes were just going up and yeah. it was just fucked. And, and we're like, we can keep it if we subdivide. And we looked into it and then like, yeah, you can't subdivide. And if you subdivide, you can, you know, you can sell the property in multiple different yeah. zones and make so much more. But with that being there, someone had to buy because the county, like, you know, I guess it'd be Los Angeles County because it was still yeah. Los Angeles County bought, uh, what was it? They bought eight acres from us so they could build Canaan, like Canaan Doom, the, the Canyon road that comes yeah. down from the valley. Yeah. So that's where our property was. So they had to build, they had to buy our property from us so they can build Canaan coming down to PCH from yeah, yeah. over the hill. And so we had six acres left. And so without being able to subdivide it, it had to be sold for a lot less than what it could have been sold for. Mm. So we actually didn't like my grandma didn't make that much money off it actually. Oh, that's crazy. I mean, she made, it's still good. Yeah, money, she made good I'm money. Sure, but like, like if you pulled that apart, it would have been fucking ridiculous. Yeah, it would have been stupid. Was so like, if you guys didn't come from like a lot of money, we didn't come from a lot of money. No. Was it weird growing up in Malibu, like around so much money? Yeah. It, and that's the hardest, like that's another thing that sucks too, is like when you're like, oh, I'm from Malibu, like, oh, you must yeah. be a rich kid. And you're like, nah. Like, yeah, if you move there in 1947, you're probably poor as fuck. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I don't know how much property value would have been back then, but literally next to nothing. Yeah. Like, next to nothing. Like, there was no houses, no houses on Point Doom, no houses. Like, my grandma shows me photos, and it's just a mesa. That's all it is. Point Doom's just a mesa with, like, two little tiny, like, cottages on it. That's and, insane. Like, and it's all dirt roads. Um, like, Trancus. You know where Trinkus is? No, what's that? So, like, you know when you drive past Zuma? Yeah. And then, like, the, there's, like, the light with, like, the Chevron station, and there's, like, the yep. market right there? Yeah. That's Trinkus right there? Yeah. Is that the surf break that has, like, that rock? And then it's, like, a... There's, like, a right that breaks off, like, that random rock. You know what I'm talking about? That's not it? No, there's a wave out there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just not going to talk about that wave. Yeah, okay. But, well, you can see that one <laughs> Yeah, no, road, you, eh? you can see it from the road. I just... Yeah, yeah, I'm still yeah. Just not gonna, nah, I'm just not going to talk about it. But like, I would get so, a lot of shit if I talked about it. Yeah, okay. But that's where that is. That's where you're talking yeah, about, right? That's one of and them. And then yeah. that's the. And there's like all those houses along along that stretch. Like if you, it's called like Broad Beach, and it yeah. goes up to Trancus. Yeah. So it's like that. But there's like the market right there. Like yeah. back in the day, that was just a little tiny like post office, and um, I mean you just tie up your horses and shit like that. That's crazy. Like eh? nothing. Like the because that's where that really, hike is, eh? When you go up that road. And there's no, like that that's, hiking that's area. further. Is that a bit further? That's down? further north. Yeah. Oh, uh, okay. What you're talking about is like up, like, um, like almost up to like Point Magoo. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So like from like Trinkus to Point Magoo, there's like all those little rock spots you can surf all the way up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All that jazz. That's crazy though. That's that crazy. But so it would have been weird growing up around all that money. Then. It was weird. Like so, like with my uncles, like riding dirt bikes and all that stuff. You know, they built pretty much like a like a full on pit bike. I wouldn't say like super cross track, but like, you know, like a, like a one ten track, but like with some pretty, you could hit it. Like if you wanted, like you double everything like a one ten or like a TTR 125, if you wanted to, like it would be like a fun track. But if you rode like a one twenty, a big bike, if you rode a big bike, you could triple shit and you can, so like they built on the backside of our property near our horse, near the horse corral. Like they built a full on track back there and we were allowed to ride it. I, that's where I learned how to ride and all that stuff in the horse corral. Like, you know, I got a, bike I got like a PW80 for Christmas when I was four and a half and I learned how to ride in a horse corral and all that stuff and then 
like, you know, I learned how to just roll over jumps and all that stuff in the back. And then over time, as neighbors started moving in, they started filing complaints. And then finally they filed a lawsuit um, against us for sound. Oh, and then we had to why. tear the track down. Fuck. So fucking annoying. Cunts. Like the sickest. It was the sickest fucking track you've ever seen. That's fucking cool. It was so sick. Just being like a kid, like watching them ride it every day. Yeah. It was so sick. Yeah, because that whole, like all through those canyons and stuff now. Um, you can still... If you yeah, like there's a lot of mountain bike stuff that goes a lot on of mountain bike yeah, and yeah. horse riding and all that stuff. But like growing up, like if it rained, yeah, I would dr- I would drive my hills. I would just drive my truck up to like a friend's house that lives right by it. I would gear up, unload, and then me and a buddy would just ride through their property up to one of the roads to get to the fire roads and just rip all the fire roads mm. to the Malibu because there's all the all the fire yeah, gates. Yeah. And so if there was a cop or anything like that or like a ranger, they'd have to open up all the gates to, to chase you. Yeah. So you just go around them. So we would just go rip all the fire roads all through Malibu like for, you know, 20 miles. So what, what school did you go to? Malibu High. Yeah, so you did go to Malibu High. I went to Malibu High. That would have been a fucking trip. Like I remember like I'd always... Like whenever I was hanging out, so the last place I lived was Playa Vista, which yeah. is like basically like Santa Monica. It's yeah, just south of like in between El Segundo yeah. and, and Venice. And yeah. Marina del Rey. Yeah, so we'd we'd surf like County Line and all of those kind of mm-hmm. little rock spots and stuff. Yeah. And uh and like you'd see like Malibu locals and then you'd go <laughs> into like where what's that? Uh you got the Starbucks and then that Pavilions. market. Is that the market there? Or are you talking about Trinkus Market? Is that, is that, yeah. Okay. Trinkus Market, if you're coming down from, if you're coming down from like County Line, like, you know, yep, south, yep, like yep. you're going back to Santa Monica, before it's you hit Zuma, yeah. it's on the left yeah, side. That's yeah. Trinkus Market. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah. So I know it's a vintage at. market. Yeah. yeah. So you go there and it's just like, fuck boy central. <laughs> fuck boy central. Well, the, I would say the new generation of Malibu kids suck. Yeah, that's what I mean. It's all they those fucking new. fucking Yeah, they're just like these little fucking dipshits uh, and the and way they talk and carry on so and i just sit there and I'll, me and Nick would be eating and I'd just be like, can you imagine fucking living here and going to Malibu High like in 2018? No. It I would couldn't. be fucking terrible. So the hardest thing for me is like, you're from Malibu. Like generally, like you look back as hit, like look back at history, like everyone surfed. Yeah. Like people, you know, like some of like the lifeguards, like they raced down in Baja. Like they were like, they rode moto, they surfed, they'd snowboard, they would like, you know, be dive they would do all this shit like these kids now like there's probably like a maybe five percent of the fucking kids that grew up malibu that actually surf yeah like literally there's like i can name off maybe four kids that surf well yeah dude that's what i was gonna say like you'd surf right yeah and no one could surf dude whereas you come to australia like if you go to snapper fucking kids rip every fucking one everyone rips. surfs good so but it like blows me away like how did but you that's how it would have you like that's how it used to be in malibu i'm sure oh yeah like everyone surfed like i'd insanely all, good all my friends that i grew up with like all of them surf fucking good every one of my friends surf good yeah and now like you go there and it's just and like there's not a fucking kid surf they show up to the beach with shoes on I'm like the yeah. fuck are you doing yeah like you should go home it, you shouldn't even be here it's such like a weird little kooky place now it's and I so think that fucking kooky and dude. You, you see like whenever I see um like a uh, John Kavanaugh like that just went down in the states like the oh yeah that, the governor or senator or whatever yeah. and he, like the sexual assault and then I you didn't see I not even much on that Try not to. Yeah. But you see all of these like celebrities that come out, right? Yeah. And then they're talking about like uh, the way women are treated and this and that. And it's like, dude, you live in Malibu. Like 
You live in the most insulated fucking world yeah. that exists. You've got insane amounts of money. You're dealing with like the men you're talking about, like men yeah. in this blanket statement, men. they're fucking yeah. losers men. that are like in this Hollywood world. They've got crazy money. They've like, that's not real. Like you no. don't actually live in the real world. Like men, in my view of men, yeah. blanket statement in a fucking real working class kind of yeah. environment are really good to women. Yes. I don't have... That's how you're supposed to be. Yeah. And it's how a lot of fucking people are. But in this little insulated world that you live in, that's about as this fucking fake far world. away from real... It's literally like a fucking... It's like a la-la land world yeah. that they live in. Like, it's so fucking fake. It's yeah. so stupid. They're like, he fucking did this allegations towards him. It's like, the dude, obviously... Like, just look at that guy. Yeah. Like, the fuck, like they look like a real guy. Like, yeah. a real man. Yeah. That would treat you like how you're supposed to be treated. Like a woman. Yeah. You know, like a fucking queen. Like, how dudes are supposed to treat women. But then it's like, it's it's like you're, yeah, putting out these, like, blanket statements, but you're not living in the world that yeah. is, is, like, it's real at all. And but it's you're selling like, it to. Yeah, but the problem is, is like they're the people that their voice matters the most. Which is so stupid. Which is fucking weird because oh it's like, God. why are we listening to these people that live in this fake fucking world, but then their voice is the one that hits everybody in the real world? And it's the people that are in the real world like don't the, really have like, look like at the that. voice. Yeah, but they, but they look at that like it's like, oh, like men are horrible. It's like, yeah. no, we're not. We're good. We're, we're, what do you mean? Like. We're good people. Like, yeah. what the fuck are you talking about? Super weird, eh? Oh, so, yeah, like, I can only imagine what you kind of went through oh, growing just, up there. would have been fucking strange. And as, as I'm getting older, it's just getting worse. Yeah. Like, the people moving there. I mean, there are amazing people that, that live in Malibu, but there are also really shitty people that live in Malibu as well. Mm. Yeah, so. All right, well, I don't know how long it's been going, but it's fucking quarter past three and we got here at 12, so I'm guessing it's been a little while. I think we started like one. Did we start at one? Yeah. Let me check. We'll see how long, because if it's going too long, we'll cut it off. But I mean, I don't care. I'm yeah. done. I'm done to go forever long. Hey, I, I'm saying I'm good, but the people. Oh, oh for yeah, the people. Dude, we're good. We're good. We are good. You're sticking with us, peeps. Yeah, st stick around, guys. We got to yeah. talk about Baja. Yeah, you're going to Baja, I'm, right? When I get, yeah, November, I'm racing the thousand. What? So you didn't show me a photo of the buggy. Um, like, just type in a class, Google type in a class 16 buggy, class 16 car. So I'm racing, I'm racing the ball 1000 with my uncle, um, in a class 16 buggy. So about to find out. There you go. Not it's a VW motor. Yeah. It doesn't put out a lot of power, but it'll finish the fucking race. Yeah. And it'll get through a lot of like the tight sections. Like it'll I mean they're brutal, dude. They're brutal on the body. <laughs> yeah, dude. So my brother went over when Toby did it in the car the first time. And the he did he raced a trophy truck the first time. Yeah, he yeah. did it jet with Jesse Jones. Yeah. And he was the first dude that had like that all wheel drive yeah. going on. And they were pre-running and they had like the fucking gangster F truck. Dude, like the I've, I've seen him. Have yeah. you seen his thing? I've, I've seen him down there. Fuck. He, Toby, Toby's already a legend. Like the mullet itself is insane. And yeah. then you see him in Baja and you're like, fuck. Dude, he's a fucking savage, dude. Dude, he's so gnarly. Have you seen the Fink race over here yeah. yet? Yeah. yeah. So like there's been a bunch of Baja dudes that are like won the Baja on the bikes. Yeah. And then they go to... Um, the Fink, which is like our race here. Yeah, it's exactly. only like, it's only 240 Ks. 
Which so is like, even, so not even, was like a hundred and. Yeah, hundred and something miles. Like yeah. it's not even far. And is it two days or is it? Yeah, so you go 240 up, 240 back. So you go up, camp the night in the mid. It's like legitimately fucking 80 miles from the center point of Australia. It's yeah, like, it's out there in the fucking nowhere. It's the middle of the middle. And so you go out there and yeah, so you go, you start at Fink and then you go down, you camp the night at Apachula. It's a little yeah. Aboriginal community. And then you go back to Alice Springs and they call it the Fink because it crosses the Fink River. Yeah. Which is never any water in it. Yeah. And, uh, riverbed. and, uh, and yeah, so a bunch of the Baja dudes come over and like, I don't think any of the Baja dudes have ever won it. Really? It's just tote. Like that's just a different fucking animal. Dude. But like, so it's like mind boggling to me like that. Like that's a, like, I take nothing away from that race is gnarly. I watch videos of it. It looks fucking brutal. But then I, uh, like you do like the guys that solo the thousand. Yeah, dude. Like my friend tried to solo it last year. He didn't finish. He like, he went down separated his shoulder and kept riding on the separated shoulder and didn't finish. He got like, I think he's 683 or something like that. Yeah. And that was a point to point race. So that was fucking gnarly. Yeah. But I mean, just the guys that finished like soloing it is like, they're so fucking gnarly. It's gnarly. Like down there, have you been down there to see any of it? Oh, you I gotta, wish I had. You got to come over. Yeah. Once once you're allowed. Yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah. Once I'm allowed back, <laughs> once, in, once you, I clear this, once you clear back over, you got to yeah, come down and I need to clear up this current situation. <laughs> it's seriously the most fun. Like even if you're not racing, like I haven't been able to race yet, just mm. because like being you know, sick and well sick, and then I was always like you know part of like the chase crew and all that stuff, and then. Um, the two years that I was supposed to race in the 16 car, we blew a motor right before I got like literally 60 miles before I was supposed to get in the car. Then we blew the motor. Oh fuck. So like you've I been sta- like I've slated been like, to run it. But. I've been like in my fire suit, like waiting for like seven hours thinking Ugh. the car was coming, like something's wrong. And then like our radio broke and we blew a motor. And so we didn't no idea. It was brutal. <laughs> yeah, it sucked. But this year I just talked to my uncle on the way up here. Uh, cars finished, fully built, ready to go. Got sponsors. Um, Shout him out. Who you got? He didn't even tell me who they are, so I don't even know. <laughs> You're blowing it. I know. <laughs> I'll have other people to shout out. But yeah. um, uh, I'm gonna put a gypsy tail, gypsy tail sticker on the on the car. Dude, that'd be sick. I'm definitely throwing it on that'd there. That'd be sick. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna yeah. throw one on there. I'll have to get one. But I'll have to get one before you go. <laughs> Dude, I'm definitely putting one on. That's classic. Uh, so we're racing with his friend who he won in uh, partners on the car, and yep. then his son. So they'll do the start, um, and then we'll hop in probably around like mile 250 my uncle will drive about 200 miles and then we'll switch and i'll drive for about 200 miles and then we'll pass it back over uh to our buddy and then try to maybe like figure out i don't know if we're going to be doing the finish or what's happening but i'll be able to drive like 200 miles which is me badass have you ever pre-run it i pre-run like on a bike no I, I, oh. i've driven i've driven that thing in the desert yeah but i pre-ran the course like in previous years on bikes yeah so like and so we're going to go down there um, like a week and a half in advance and go or like two weeks in advance and go pre-run, you know, our sections on the bikes and all that stuff and, you know, get acquainted with the course. It's, you know, gnarly down there. And then one yeah. of my, my best friends is, is racing on a team on a class 21 team. Uh, shout out to him though. Tucker Hopkins. Yeah. Yeah. He's uh, racing with another good friend, Carlos Miranda, and they'll be, uh, hopefully going for a win in their class. Yeah. Be badass. And how, um, how long will you stay down there to do that race? Um, I think overall time, I think they give you, I think it's 48 hours to finish it. Yeah. Roughly. But in terms of like the whole prep, like that whole, do you spend See, a week there? Well, I'll or? go down there. Like last time I was down there for two weeks cause it was a tip to tip race. So we had to pre-run all the way down to La Paz 
and then drive all the way back up to Ensenada and then go all the way back down in La Paz for the race and then oh. all the way back up to Ensenada. No shit. So that's, you know, over a thousand miles down. So we drove like, I drove like 4,500 miles in the two week period. Fuck. Yeah. That's across America. Pretty much. Yeah. It was fucked. It was so much driving. Yeah. Um, But we'll go down like, we'll go down for a weekend, go pre-run, come back up, go down there. Usually it's a... Contingency is usually on Friday, so we'll go down there like, you know, Wednesday night or Thursday, get everything all, you know, situated, make sure the cars, everything's good, go through contingency and in, 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 uh, inspection tech Friday, race Saturday, probably finish Sunday, head on Monday. So mm. like Wednesday to Monday, maybe. Yeah. Okay. So like five days. And are you going to take like boards and shit down there as well? That's always the plan to bring boards. But you never do it. But then you're like, then you got boards with you and you're in the middle of a fucking ball yeah. race and then you're like. I want to surf and you're like, I'm so fucking beat right now. There's no way I have brought boards and scored while I was down there for the, you know, for different races. Really? Like just scored so hard. Whereabouts do you surf mostly when you're there? Um, that's like my biggest regret is of not living in America. Not going down to Baja. Is not going to Baja and surfing. I mean, there's and I so fucking many... said so many times I was going to do it. And then you didn't do it. And you just hear it like. One person's like, dude, just go across the border. It's fucking cruisy. You'll yeah. be all good. Nothing bad, bad's going to happen. And then you start like uh, planning the trip. Yeah. And then you get one dude that's like, dude, I would never fucking do that. Right? And I'm yeah. just like, that. it's not necessarily like, it never really spooked me that much. Yeah, it's the people that but wanted. But it's the people that I was going to go with. They're and like, then oh, they just dude, didn't, I can't go. It's so yeah. scary. It's like, just go. Like, nobody, like, why live your life in fear? Mm. Like, don't. Just go. Just fucking go. And you, but you've been there and surfed a bunch of times. Yeah. And where would you go? I mean, there's so many different waves, like even before Ensenada, like there's like Baja Malibu, there's K38s, K55s, La Fonda, which are just like, you know, like fun waves. And then there's like San Miguel, which is right before um, Ensenada, which is like a really fun, uh, like river mouth right point, like really playful. Um, and then as you start going further south, I mean, there's, uh, Let's see. There's like Cuatro Casas, which is, I would say like, I want to say it's like a hundred miles south of Ensenada, which is, you know, a south swell. It's like a point where you can stay like a hostel right there and there's a bowl you can skate on the cliff. Oh, really? Yeah, it's sick. And then as you start going further down south, like you literally just start driving and you're like, oh, let's like, you know. Let's just have a look here. You'll come out to the coast and you're like, oh, I think I see waves. And you'll drive out and be like, you'll find a beach break that's just nobody around. Or you find like a little point and you're like. Dude, there's nobody around here. Like, what the fuck? This is amazing. Like, you know, as you start driving further down, then you go down to like, then there's the Seven Sisters, which is like, uh, it's like around San Quentin. Is it San Quentin? No, I think it's San Quentin. I think, I don't remember. I've, I haven't like been on like a surf trip down there in a long time. Been moto trips the past few years. Uh, Um, but yeah, I mean, there's like all these different points, the right hand points are just literally, if you type in Seven Sisters, like surf spots. Like, you'll just see how good it is. No. Oh, it's up in Mexico. Yeah, Mexico. Uh, like, look at these points. Like, just get so good. Like, sand, it's just like sand bottom points all over. And then, you know, like cobblestone points, like, just, and just empty. I bet you get gangster fucking tacos there too. 
I got my spots. Yeah, yeah. Super. <laughs> I got my spots yeah. that are so good. Yeah, that was definitely one thing like I really fucking wished I did. Cause that when I was in the States is like the most I've been into surfing. Yeah. And even since you I've been have gone, dude. I know, man. I you wish have gone. I surf like Hawaii and shit. Yeah. Like in Costa Rica. Like I surfed a bunch of cool. But places, it's just like there's something about like just driving across the border, like going down, getting mm. a little hotel getting tacos surfing dude the the older i get the more i appreciate like no rules yes so <laughs> i just went to thailand that sounds like no rules and oh bro it's like less than no rules <laughs> like it's fucking chaos but it's beautiful <laughs> yeah like it's such i've heard an thailand's amazing, like insane it's so good like no one hassles you and if the police like we had a checkpoint like a helmet checkpoint yeah that uh basically like they just robbed tourists yeah but it's like but two, that's, 200 baht so it's, it's like, like bali. five bucks it's yeah. like bali same deal yeah they're just like ah, oh, yeah you haven't got a helmet you haven't got like 200 baht fucking yeah. five bucks and it, that's paying their wages basically. yeah exactly but it's like i honestly don't care yeah you're like here's 400 yeah Fuck here it. you go dude all good but like good. man we were just like we were f- yeah it was fucking insane like the shit that you can get away with and like but it's more like not even getting away with, but it's like no one bothers you. Yeah. And I feel like Mexico would be the same. Once you get out, like like I said, like once you get past like the border Ensenada towns, and all, sort like, of thing. once you get past Ensenada and you start just going down and you find like these little zones, like no one's going to come fuck with you. Yeah. It's just, it's just desolate. Like you can go camp on the beach and you're just like, this is insane. Mm. Like, this is so fucking rad. And that's now like, yeah, as I get older, that's what I want. I just yeah. want to go with places where like, no one's gonna fucking bother you you can just yeah. do what you want to do no exactly and I, like i feel like a lot of europe's like that in a I way feel like, too. like south of france and all that stuff like they don't maybe, really care not, i mean I bet, I bet they do on certain things but i feel like yeah. south of france has that like the very like laid back yeah spain yeah. is like spain. that as well like they, they don't really give a fuck yeah i like guess Sebastian. it's like i guess it's like all the places where the economy sucks yeah is like I pretty like, cruisy i feel like spain and, and france's economy doesn't suck too bad Oh, France is all right, more so. But Spain, like, they go to fucking sleep every day at three o'clock in the afternoon. Like, how much money? There's no one at Apple's going to sleep at three, you know? It's like that. But it's like that. um, Like, you know how you said before about, like, how Australia's just got that laid back vibe? Well, we're not like a global powerhouse. Yeah, it's true. And, like, you look at, you got China, you got the US, you got Russia. And it's like, yeah. And you know what it's like. You live in that world. And America is the ultimate keeping up with the Joneses. Yeah. And I feel like that's where everyone, that's where, like, when people say, like, the people are more laid back in Australia. I don't necessarily think it's just the the people. I think it's just, I think it's everything. Yeah. It's like the life. We don't have the same pressure. There's no, the to, principles are a little bit different. Yeah. Whereas America is like the American dream and you got to work hard. And it's like, and it's, it's a pissing contest every, yeah. every day. It's always a pissing contest. It's like, look what I got. Yeah. Look what we just got. Did you yeah. see our new car? Yeah. Have you seen our new house? Have you seen the renovation? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, have you seen what we got now? Yeah. It's like over here, they're like, yeah, fuck. I got this thing. It's pretty sick. Right on. Like, catch you later. Yeah. And you're just like, I want that. And dude, the mentality. I, I got really caught up in that when I first moved to California. Oh, I bet. So like I, cause we, we come from like not that much and I like, I didn't even have a pair of Nikes until I went to America. Really? So I didn't have a pair of Nike shoes till I was like 22. 
Like we just and had. You're like I bought myself some Nikes. And I will. And I fuck, dude. I balled out when I was there. Like <laughs> I spent everything I had on like new shit because all these people around me. If you want to look like yeah, this person, yeah, I just didn't look the part, man. You're and like, like I gotta look like I'm the boss right now. Dude, I'm professional. I just, I just needed to look like everyone else because when I first went there, I stuck out like a fucking sore thumb, dude. <laughs> That's how I feel like over here. Yeah, you would. I do. Yeah. Not that I would. I do. Like I do stick out. Like I straight up. Someone's like. You're not from here. And I was like, like, before I even said like anything that hear my accent, they just like, they're like, you're not from here. And I'm like, no. And they're like, yeah, you're definitely not from here. And I was like, yeah. yeah, it's such a different, it's such a different style. And I got like super caught up in it. And even like, as soon as my surfboard started turning like yellow, <laughs> fucking ditch that kind yep. I'm buying Always, a new one. Yeah. You got to have a fresh board all the time. Everyone, everyone had like the newer shit that, and like you'd, you'd like look at people. Tech tens get like yellow. Yep. They're out the door. And yeah, that's really what it was. And like, the like i remember buying a car it was like kind of a piece of shit truck yeah and um and i was just felt like a fucking loser dude like Uh, everyone around me had like the sickest shit and i i spent dude yeah it was bullshit i know it now yeah but back then i like it's just moving to california dude i felt like i had to fucking and like people with the joneses you had to literally buy the freshest thing to like make it look like you're it's all about this front. Like, look, I'm killing it, dude. Yeah. Like, I got this newest thing, but I'm fucking $300,000 in debt. But did you see how sick my new thing is, dude? Like, check out. I'm, I'm fronting so hard. Yeah. And that's really what it was. Yeah. It's all a front, dude. It's just show like, it's like, dude, it's, uh, that's why I'm like, I love it down here because nobody's fronting. Mm. Everyone's like, yeah, I drive this shitty truck. I, I work a good job. I have a, you know, my house is nice, but I live a fucking good life and I don't really care. Mm. And I'm like, Wow that's what life's all about like mm. just don't give a fuck about materialistic and just enjoy life well that and that's where i'm at now and i've been there for a while yeah but it was definitely interesting to like live through that that little patch of like i probably showed you shit. showed you a lot oh fuck yeah. yeah and i never felt good about it no you always feel guilty like yeah. really guilty like fuck i just spent so much money on something that's pretty irrelevant yeah like and i remember yeah like you you'd go and it's funny especially like you go to the tracks and stuff oh yeah and you like see this dude he's got like this sprinter van and he's pulling out this fucking bike with like works forks and he's got like like, all the gear and logos and fucking numbers on his jersey and the whole like custom painted helmet i'm like damn this motherfucker must rip can't ride out of sight (laughs) in a dark night and i'm like the fuck's going on here but like it actually i really started to realize like it's the front this is a fake this is a really fake yeah uh, place and uh, I it's sort of I feel like whenever you're in like racing and and like or surfing and yeah. stuff like that, it uh it kind of breeds that environment. Yeah, it but, does. But you think about it's the way you, like we're marketed to as well. Like it's pretty aggressive marketing that comes from like Honda and Transwell and oh yeah, you know like those all those companies like a bike gets nothing changed nothing at all but you need graphics the 19. and uh, and suspension settings engine modifications oh yeah it's like the slight changes to the chassis yeah it's and like they, is there really you change like like the bolts and the fucking subframe yeah <laughs> change of the chassis ergonomics is different on this one yeah exactly <laughs> yeah 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 <laughs> the er- rider friendly ergonomics <laughs> the cockpit is a lot more rider friendly <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah usable cockpit but yeah it's like it. that's really what it what no, it's, it's like yeah and i got fucking super caught in that trap when i was it's in so insane dude. but it was weird though coming from like pretty simple life here yeah and, to and going into to like go, this like 
fucking full dude. speed. You got to have the newest of the new or you're lame. And I remember, dude, going into like, I remember going into the van store mm-hmm. at like the Temecula Mall. <laughs> and then just like, I just look like everybody else. Like I kept none. Not that I, I guess probably because I didn't have a style to start yeah. with. Like I had zero fucking style. You just went over there. You're like, what does this person look like? I'm yeah. just going to just, what do you got? What'd you buy? I buy that too, dude. I just went. I was like, never, I never had a pair of Converse, never had a pair of Vans, and it was like these staples that you like had to. Like have. everyone's, every pro rider's got it. You're like, fuck, I guess I gotta get those too, dude. Dude, yeah, and I, I just, yeah, I remember going to like the tracks at the start, just feeling like, like exactly how you feel here, I guess. Yeah, just felt like a fucking total fish everyone's out of like, water. What are you doing here? Who are you? Why are you here? And you're like, um. And it's funny though, like, because I always at the start. And I didn't attribute this until like way down the track. And like, cause I lived there for a long time. Yeah. And at the start, everyone's like, where are you from, man? And like, I hadn't even spoken yet. Kind of yeah, like what you're saying. Exactly. And then I'd start talking and I'm like, oh, I'm from Australia. And they're like, oh, I love your accent. But I always thought it was about my accent. But yeah. it wasn't. It was how no, I looked. Exactly. I just, People just like point you. They're like, oh, like outsider. Dude. And like, Literally even, outsider. yeah. And now like you land at LAX and I'm like, fucking look at these australians like they look so out of place no you like you can spot them dude yeah fucking oath dude yeah the short shorts yep short the short, short yeah. shorts oh man the amount of people like dude dean wilson we're um we were my buddy jackson richardson mm-hmm. he uh he was at dan that you might I, I think I, I think i met him yeah so he's like the supercross champion yeah yeah I met him. and uh he's a fucking lord but he wears these shorts that dude, are like everyone so was fucking like, tight dude it was like tighter than like smaller than skivvies yeah like, yeah and a pair of fucking boxers i was like the fuck's going on here dude <laughs> but so dean i was uh when jats was riding in the states he was pretty young mm-hmm. and uh i'd say i saw dean was at milestone knew jats was at milestone i text dean i was like oh did you see my buddy today and he's like oh bro your buddy in the short shorts was smashing the whoops <laughs> and i was just like fuck everyone knew him as like the short shorts the short dude. short dude and dude that motherfucker did not change his like he won't change his style for anyone and his style is like out there even for I like Australian that. standards but fuck it was funny everyone knew him as like the short shorts kid short short Aussie dude it was like he stuck out like a fucking sore thumb shit's too funny man uh, what was um what was the stem cells thing like in Germany you said that I meant to get back to it but I never did um so what exactly did they do so stem cells in Germany so I went over there we did um why am I blanking? I know it. Because uh, we just changed the subject yeah, super aggressively. We, yeah, you just fucking hit me with like a quick left turn. Yeah, but I needed to because I've like I've meant to say it like three times. I was like, fuck, because I'm really interested in the whole stem cell so, thing too. Um, why am I forgetting it? I I, I know this so Probably well. Probably because you were sick as fuck. I wasn't really that sick. Mm. Again, we're going back to the, yeah, the yeah, perception. Yeah, was sick. I was sick. Um, it's... Dude, I'm blanking. I'm drawing the biggest blank in the fucking world right now. But So what What sort of stuff we, were the it's, stem it's cells much, like trying to do? So so what we did was we uh, we take out... Well, first we did a blood sensitivity test. Yeah. So it was like, you know, take out my blood and test all different medicines in my blood to see. And that's when I found out that I'm not oh. receptive to any chemo. Is okay. And so instead of being in the States where they're like, let's try this chemo and see if it works. And you're like, the uh, nine months, you're like, I just feel really sick and the tumor hasn't shrunk or anything. You're like, oh, fuck. Okay, let's try this chemo. So I go over to, you know, Germany. I met this doctor, Dr. Ursula Jacobs. Now she's retired. Um, 
And within five minutes of being at her clinic, she's like, let's do a blood sensitivity, blood sensitivity test. And I was like, what's that? She's like, you've never had that done before. And I was like, no, she's like, we test your blood and see what works and what doesn't. I was like, holy shit. Like, huh. this is insane. Like you literally like you can do that without having me, having me do chemo and shit like that. Um, and oh, immunotherapy. Yeah. Okay. God, I'm, Jesus. Talk, That's all right. It's been a long podcast. You're getting me fired up. You're it's been a long podcast. <laughs> it's not even been that long. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, so we did that and we found out that um, I was receptive to something called thalidomide, which is an anti-malaria vaccine. Huh. Crazy shit. Um, and so that was actually like my blood was receptive to that to stop the growth of, you know, tumor cells. Like just shit like that. Like literally do blood sensitivity tests if you have, you know, something wrong with you and see what you're receptive to. That's crazy. That's insane. So with the, um, with that, this was in 2007 that we did, um, immunotherapy, which was the same thing that like Kobe was doing when he tore his Achilles tendon in like uh, when he went to Italy. So we yeah. went to Germany, they took out 26 vials of blood. They sent it to Italy they they spin your blood and take the, the they take plasma the, out of it. Yeah, they yeah. take the plasma, spin it, and turn yeah. it into vaccine, inject it back into you. Yeah. Okay. So I did that way before, like I did that in 2007. So that was 11 years ago. That's legal now in the states. Yeah. Now it's they legal. do that there now. Yeah. 11 years ago in Germany, they couldn't have done. Yeah. Right. Right. You're That's, up being ahead. Yeah. Ten know, years. Yeah. Ten years. Literally. So what do they call that? PRP. Right now. Uh, that, plasma replacement therapy or something yeah, like that. Yeah, something like that. But then they also immunotherapy for like myself. Like, and so what was the immunotherapy? Blood. Immunotherapy is taking your own blood, turning into vaccine, injecting it back into yourself, and it's helping your immune system. It's teaching your immune system how to fight uh, for okay. itself rather than you know being attacked. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's you know it's it's it taking what you have in your body, injecting it back into yourself, and killing you know cancer cells and tumor cells. So how old were you when you did that trip? Do you think fifteen? So yeah, I guess don't be too hard on yourself for not remembering because A, it was that long ago and B, you're not a fucking doctor. Well, I also was talking about it. Like we were talking about immunotherapy literally three months ago. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. So I mean, I, it's still really relevant. Yeah, yeah. Like immunotherapy, immunotherapy is still like significantly relevant in today's world because that's like, that's where, um, I'd say that's way more effective than chemo in my eyes. Yeah, okay. For certain people again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But for myself. So what... What was it like going to Germany at 15? Like, was that a pretty awesome. cool experience? Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was, it was really cool. Like, well, I had a lot of really cool experiences. Like I went, like I was saying, I was, I was seeing a lot of healers and stuff like that as well. Um, and very spiritual. Like I went down to Brazil and saw a medium named John of God when I was 13. Fuck. Yeah. While I was doing chemo at home. That had to be heavy. That was fucking awesome. Really? Badass. Yeah. Like I'm very like spiritually open to a lot of things and receptive to just like, you know, positive energy. Like I said, like, you know, like I believe that, you know, we can, I believe that we can not, I wouldn't say heal, but we can, you know, help a lot of things speed up with our minds, you know, and our thought processes on how we, how we see it happening. It's like, if you don't believe it's going to happen, then it, Probably won't happen. Well, like, you got those guys, and this is an... I, I, fuck, I guess I'm the king of obscure references. Mm-hmm. But, um, like, you know, you got friends that just party like fucking animals. Yeah. And they get up and they'll do a dawn service. Yeah. Of surf. And you're like, bro, I'm fucked. I'm not surfing till two mornings from now. <laughs> and it's like, 
we drunk the same, we did the same and like, sure, maybe they didn't get drink as much or whatever, yeah. but it's like, it's still got to be the same feeling. Yeah. But like, for whatever reason, those motherfuckers just get out of bed. Yeah. And it's like, is that mental? It has to be. Mm. I mean, I haven't felt hungover in four years. Yeah, well, so I, don't, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. What that, I don't remember. But like I, the feeling of like that, like just. Well, like, like you, you surfing gotta, after chemo or whatever. Like that's a just, mental thing. A mental like thing. I'm sure yeah. you didn't feel like surfing after but chemo. You, but it's like, it's something that you love so much. And you're like, fuck it, dude. I'm going to go do it. Yeah. Like. And I think like I was saying before when we we're at lunch, like I'm at the point now with training to where. I just go. Yeah. Regardless. It's a, it, you've, you've passed the threshold of like, yeah. of like second guessing it. Yeah. Like or that, questioning you get it. like that mental pushback yeah. of like, Oh my God, I'm fucking tired. I'm sore. It's like, I no, should have a day off to rest. Go. And that, and now like I've, I've overrode that enough times that it doesn't matter. And like I was saying, my girlfriend will, I'll be like, fuck, I'm so sore. Like I just, Oh fuck. I don't want to go. And it's just like, but you're still going to go, aren't you? And you're I'm like, like, yeah. And then you get there. And then as soon as you're done, you're like, oh, I'm really glad I went. Yeah, exactly. And then now I don't actually even have that questioning thing. Like unless I'm properly injured, then yeah. I won't train. But yeah. it's like, it's just every day. Like you just get used to doing it. So yeah. I think is that, I guess, similar to the kind of headspace that you yeah, exactly. got in. It's like, it's it's just the positivity. You just get so used to being positive yeah. that you don't have to actively think about being positive anymore. Exactly. I mean, unless like something super significant happens and it like, you know, it brings you back down to like that ground level of thinking like, fuck, okay, like shit can go bad or yeah. like, you know, this and that. Then you're like, you know what? No, like we're going to move forward being positive. Like, it's all going to be okay. I'm going to make it through this, you know, this hurdle or whatever it is. And, and that's how it's going to go. And, but, but for like, for like I said, for the most part where I'm at now, it's like, I don't really have to, you know, focus on, you know, like yeah, think, you're not think about it. It's like actively thinking. Yeah. It's yeah. like, it's just, it just, that's it's a just, lifestyle now. yeah, that's just how I, you know, how I live my life is just being positive. So what, what, what was the Brazilian healer dude? Like, what was that all about? Um, from what I remember again, this yeah, cause was, that was a while ago. That was 13 years ago. Yeah. Um, just, I mean, it was in the middle of Brazil and this place called Abinjanya, Abinjanya. Yeah. It's, uh, like the center of Brazil, middle of nowhere in like the Amazon, like so, really? so beautiful. Like you type in John of God, check out this dude. <clears throat> So this is the dude, yeah, John of God. He does these like, let's see, yeah, like this is the whole, like I was there. Like he does these crazy surgeries without, without anesthesia or anything like that. Like, like I watched him cut a tumor out of dude. With no anesthetic. With no anesthetics. Like he had, like he literally like. He's been on Oprah. Yeah. He's gnarly. The fuck? That's crazy. Well, now he probably has but yeah yeah back then i'm sure dude it's it just you just feel like the energy down there it's it's fucking crazy man like and they do these like spiritual surgeries so like i heard this like the guy when we first show up you know they tell you like hey, you have to wear all white when you're there because it's like the most receptive to to light like and positive en- energy and yeah. light and just energy in general and like all this you know all like you know meditation and, and prayers and all that stuff and, you know, you know, everyone has to meditate there for like three, four hours. I'm like 13 years old and I got to meditate for like four hours. Fuck. Yeah. Like, well, people are walking to go see him. Like, you know, you have to take turn. Like, it's like, you know, you go there every day. You have to do a morning meditation and an evening meditation. You meditate like 
that's what you got to do. And like, you know, it's like you meditate and you meditate with your no arm. Like you can't cross your arms, can't cross your legs. Arms have to be open like this. And you have to, you know, it's, there's like 400 people and they're meditating and praying for the people that are going through the line to go see him. him. So everyone's like this constant flow of positive energy and just like crazy. Like you feel like you literally feel fucking crazy energy while you're there. No shit. Yeah. And so. We went through that. And so when you first show up, they're like, you know, they do these spiritual surgeries. You know, if you're not 18, you know, if you're over 18, like they could do, you know, he can do surgeries on you where he cuts you, he'll cut you open and take a tumor out. Like I watched the tumor get pulled, like just crazy shit, like really. But he like most people don't believe it because it's so wild. Like it's it's that absurd. You're standing there and, you know, he'll say what he needs to say and stuff like that. And he literally, you know, look at the person and go like, you know, just wipe his hand over his eyes and they would drop like just out cold. And on the stage, he would perform surgery, pull the fucking tumor out. They'd sew him up and put him in, you know, the recovery room. Like, like. And you saw that shit. Yeah. That's fucking mind blowing at 13. 13 years old. Holy fuck. Yeah. So and so your mom, like, obviously went with you. My mom down there. and my and my mom's ex-husband. Right. Yeah, it was it was crazy, um, and they, they like you know, like if you do a spiritual surgery, you know you have to be bedridden for ten days to let the sutures heal inside all the stuff. And I was like, yeah, I don't know about this. Like, sounds sounds bullshit. And the dude who was explaining to us, he's like, yeah, he's like, I said the same thing as all you guys are probably thinking. Like, this is all fake and this is bullshit. So I decided to go about my normal day after I left, you know, and went and just went back to work all the stuff. And he was like went to bed one night and my stomach started hurting and it started bloating and something was really wrong. And I rushed, you know, my, my wife rushed me to the hospital and something was super wrong and they did x-rays and they said there was internal bleeding. And there were stitches inside my stomach. What the and fuck? I was like, and That's he's like, crazy. and he's like at that moment, he's like, I fucking believe this. I believe everything. And I was like, damn, like so, that was fucking insane. So do you remember like meditating? Do you remember like, mm-hmm. And were you able to like actually concentrate on it? Uh, I would say probably half the time. Yeah. Cause that'd be fucking hard. I can't meditate. Well, okay. I'm, I'm not going to say I can't meditate. You can't it's meditate. It's very hard for me to sit it's there and difficult focus. To meditate, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I haven't, I'm not good at it. Yeah, exactly. Everyone can do anything. Yeah, exactly. I got to be careful saying I can't do something. Yeah, I really want to catch myself. Yeah. Not a lot of, don't say I can't. Yeah. Since I'm just not good at it. Yeah. I'm, I'm not, yeah. I'm not very good at meditating. Yeah. Difference. So I've never felt the effects of meditation, if that makes sense. When you get into like a deep meditation, it's, I don't even know how to explain it. Like you just feel like it just, it just, it's, it's brings so much peace to the body the mind to the body like it's so much relaxation um and then after you just feel so much more free you know it's like you give your time you give your mind that time to just let go and like let go of you know thoughts that are bouncing in through your head like if you once you get to that point like i've haven't even gotten close to a point of like really like that deepest meditation like i, I would say when i was 13 years old doing the meditations there like i still had thoughts going on still pretty mm. conscious of what's going on um, and even my meditation towards today. It's, do you do a lot of meditating now? I try to meditate. Um, I don't as much as I should. I was meditating a lot for a while. Um, I would say in the last like four months, I've kind of slacked pretty hard. Um, but I should probably get back into it. Cause like I think about the brain 
as and i've been thinking about this more and more lately it's i have muscle yeah but like think about it as like like your phone yeah so you you wake up you charge your phone all night and it's uh a hundred percent yeah right and then you start using it just mm-hmm. like when you use your phone yeah and the battery starts going down slowly, and down and down slowly. and down and the aim is is that you can use it to its full capacity before you go to bed and charge it again. Yeah, exactly. But then it's like if you're irresponsible with the use of that battery, then you might get to like lunchtime and all of a sudden you're turning the brightness down, you're closing all these apps that like you probably would like to use, but you don't have enough battery to do it. And you know that you have to like stop using the phone basically. Ration what you're doing. Ration what you're doing. But otherwise it'll die and then you'll have to charge it and you yeah. won't be able to use it. So like lately I've been trying to think of my brain as that. That's a good analogy. So when I wake up, I got a hundred percent and I don't want to turn the brightness down on my life. You want to last that all, all the way through. I want that motherfucker to be at 1% and I want to plug it in, but I don't want it to be at 1% when I plug it in of like, I've had to turn my brightness down. I yeah. haven't been able to listen to music. I no, haven't been able wanna, to use the apps. You want to just, I want all of it. So you just want to, it's it's like it's like not necessarily using it less no but it's using it right yeah and it's and i think that there's so much fucking shit that goes on in our brain that drains that battery yeah and by and by one o'clock every day we're all turning the brightness down on our fucking on our brain just to make it to the end or grabbing a coffee to recharge the fucker exactly so it's like to me more and more I'm thinking about like my brain as a battery yeah and it's like is this right now gonna make me cause like we all know that thing of like fuck I can't listen to music now I gotta turn the brightness down I can barely see it yeah and it's like you're not using the thing how it's supposed to be used exactly and it's like I really think that your brain does the same thing and it's like thinking about bullshit thinking about negativity talking to people that are fucking dramatic talking to people that are negative yeah focusing on bullshit doing a job you don't like all that stuff is like draining this fucking battery to the point where you're turning the brightness down on your life yeah and to me there's like that's without the physical side of it yeah so it's like that that brain like your men your like i guess like the mental side of it then that's within the whole physical side of things so when you're sick i feel like if you can switch off all of the cognitive stuff that's going on because again it's taken your your body your body's just a battery yeah and you need food and sleep and water to recharge that that battery so it's like if you can switch off this huge power consumption kind of part of that system which is your brain then how much extra energy does that battery have to focus on other problems so that has been a thing that has kind of switched in my head lately about meditation because I've never really given it a shake at all. Yeah. But in my mind, now that I'm starting to think about that battery life analogy on an iPhone, it's really starting to make sense why you would want to switch off the biggest uh, consumer of your, your self energy each day that's probably one of the best analogies I've heard of meditation. Mm, And I've never really, it's only been super recent that I've put them together. I mean, that's, yeah, that's the easiest way to relate it to something that's like, okay, that's understandable. Yeah. You know, you want to keep the body moving at a hundred percent all the time. 
and allowing this to shut off, even if it's for five minutes. Like that is such a big relief. On the rest of the system. On the rest of the body. It's like, yeah. And it's like, it just allows everything to just like, oh, just decompress, Mm. you know? It's just like that nice. It's like taking a nap almost. It's like, you know, it's giving you that like re, you know, like that refresh, that reboot of like, you know, energy, just everything, you know, you just feel good. You feel grounded and Mm. centered, you know, when you're done meditating. Yeah. So I guess like I could really see how being in a room full of people that are only focusing on positivity and they've turned off this fucking nightmare that's going on up here and letting their body like energy be redirected to their body. Yeah. Cause like even when we were talking at lunch about intermittent fasting, it's like you eat for an eight hour window mm-hmm. and then for the remaining uh, 16 hours of the day, that's a whole system of bo- your body that requires a lot of energy yeah. that can be redirected to wherever else it's needed. Exactly. And, and even with, how much I've been training lately. Like I'd always look at athletes that I worked with Mm -hmm. and like we'd get done shooting and then I'd have to like edit and fucking do whatever. And, and you know, with photos and that, and they just do nothing. And I'm like, you motherfuckers, look how many hours are left in the day. Like get up and let's do some shit. Go do something. And they're like, fuck bro, I'm out. Like I got to ride now and then I got to train later in between. There's no, like this shit just, this isn't just some fucking machine that just can go at a hundred all the time. So it's like when you ask so much of it, it's like that might kill 40% of your battery. Oh yeah. And then you've got another training session in the afternoon. That's going to suck another 40%. You're only left with 20%. Then how are you going to fucking run that? And you can't do shit with 20%. You know what I mean? So yeah. it's like, and you know, and then in between you've got to like eat or you got to fucking uh, prep for the next day. You got drive all whatever that, you got to do. Drive to and from the track. Yeah. So it's like, I really do have a lot more respect for athletes now. And now that you've gotten older and understood like the and whole. And now I've put my body through. And now you're like, that. wow, this yeah. fucking sucks. <laughs> like, and I, I don't want to do anything now. Like, like now I understand yeah. why I thought you lazy fuckers were just sitting down. But yeah. realistically, it's like, no, like. That's you as are, important as the training. You are. Yeah. It's like you need that, like that rest. That body mm. needs that rest. Like, so yeah, that, all that stuff. Like I was like, ah, oh, woo woo, hokey hokey. But I could see that shit really working now as I've, I guess, I get more open-minded, but I've, yeah. I feel like I've got more information. Yeah, you, you, you learn more about it. You, you are less narrow through here and you kind of just expand. Like you just came through the, you know, this canyon opens up to the valley and you're like, oh shit. Mm-hmm. Like now I get it. Like now I'm starting to see shit, you know, and you start to like, you're like, let me just try that and see how it works. And it works on you and you're like wow, okay, mm. like maybe so-and-so was, you know, onto something. Yeah. Or, you know, maybe I should have taken that a little bit of direction like when I was, you know, two years ago or something like that. So you just kind of like take these little things as you go and move forward. Well, and that's why like you get wiser as you get older. You just got yeah, more info. Literally, yeah, exactly. Do you know what's crazy? Like talking about meditation, I thought about this this morning, is uh, I just did that, that update on here mm-hmm. and now it's got screen time. So, like, you go into your settings, like, this will fucking... I'm going to be embarrassed to admit this. Um, Oh, how much you look at your screen? Yep. Screen time. Oh, I just saw the update on my phone. I haven't done it yet. Bro. You want to know how much time I spent on social media today? Tell me. This is fucked up. An hour and four minutes. Of just... On social media. Literally. Yeah. Scroll hole. To be fair, I've 
there's like a lot of gypsy tale stuff that i've yeah. done so like but i'll give you credit on that one but t- this morning i looked at it and i was sitting on the couch my dad was watching a movie it was like early we both yeah. got up real early i made a coffee and i was sitting down and i saw that screen time thing come up like in the updates yeah and so this is no gypsy tales like this is no work at all i sat down with a coffee and i sat next to my dad on the couch and then the first time i looked at that uh that screen time thing was 20 minutes and that was pointless like that was mindless scrolling yeah just not even looking i don't remember one fucking thing i looked at right now none of that shit i looked at in that 20 minutes improve my life at all Nothing. that's fucking gross and, and how much we do that every day dude unconsciously. it's up to an hour and four minutes it's fucking crazy so i'm now going to be obsessively looking at that screen like time how thing. much i'm actually doing it yeah. yeah and i thought and it was funny that we're talking about meditation because i thought at that um when i saw that 20 minutes i was like fuck i could have meditated yeah and i don't There's know why so i randomly had that thought today but it's meant to be yeah that's what i th- i literally thought i was like fuck you could meditate in 20 minutes you can do a lot of things because that was pointless you read yeah Go read well you know what i've been doing uh who was i telling this to the other day uh i've actually put reddit you know you know yeah reddit? i know reddit yeah i put reddit next to my instagram app on my phone and you know like when you start scrolling yeah and you kind of get stuck and you're in the scroll hole and then you go oh fuck i'm just scrolling yeah the minute the second i have that realization i've been going to reddit Uh and then i've been reading so it's like i'm trying to because i'm really trying to curb that shit i'm just trying to like i just found a new book and i'm just like fuck it dude put down the phone close my computer Mm. reading what are you reading uh loving pablo hating escobar by uh fuck what well, the did you watch the uh yeah this is yeah you got a computer let pull up your computer loving <laughs> pablo hating escobar valerie is it valerie virginia Yeah, so Virginia Vallejo. So, did you watch um, Narcos? No, nah, that's like one thing where I'll at least give myself a little bit of screen time allowance. Is cause I don't watch TV. Okay, so I don't I don't have cable at home. So you're on the Netflix shit I, like, hard. Not even though it's like I don't really go. On, I don't really watch all like that much stuff. It's like if there's something that like I find that I find intriguing, like Narcos, which mm. I find intriguing, I'll watch that or like. I got stuck in Game of Thrones because my roommate hooked oh, me on I'll it. I watched that shit forever, son. I feel like there's a hair on me. Um, so, yeah, I just I think it's cool because like it's it's from her perspective. Yeah. Of like how she met him, who he was, and loving the Pablo in him, like then you know like the the just good the human, hum- human, the human, and then hating the Escobar, the the fucking. I'm the, in. The, I'm reading the, it. The gnarly motherfucker. So it's who fun. was she to him? She was the biggest news reporter. In Colombia in the 80s and 90s. Is she in Narcos? Yeah, she's as a Narcos. character. Yeah, well, she so she was the biggest news reporter, um, and she was his uh, secret love affair for like seven years. Really? Yeah. So she got every part of him. No shit. Yeah. I'm reading it. It's fucking bomb, dude. That's right. It's really good. I'm pumped. I've been I've been enjoying it. Like I literally like haven't read a book in a while, and I, um, I sat down and started reading, it, and I'm like. Like ninety or like a hundred and twenty in. Yeah, right. Just I, just, like I just started just reading. I was just like, you know, four hours. Like not even like what it was like three hours later. I just looked down and I was like, what page am I at? I'm like, oh, I just read. 
That's fucking crazy. Oh wow, like that was awesome. Yeah. I haven't done that in years. Like just like hooked. Yeah. Was, yeah. The last book I did that with was Phil Knight, the guy who started Nike. Oh yeah. Yeah, his book was pretty sick. It was um I like got on the keto diet. I had like a kidney yeah. surgery. Oh yeah, you, I heard you talking about that at, at in the dirt yeah i can't like I, yeah i can't drink anymore i can't do shit so i didn't know yeah yeah because are you yeah you said that reminded me you said you're sober was that because of sick or because you don't want to drink or do drugs i don't want to drink or do drugs because i i kind of abused them so did you have a problem at a, at I a was, point I was, yeah i did i definitely did and what what was that through uh what do you mean like like just i just like what led you to have a problem because I don't think people like I said this to my dad the other day we were watching some shit on TV and he's like fucking junkies right? like these heroin addicts yeah and I uh, said to him I was like who the fuck wants to be a heroin addict yeah no like, no one wants to die of an overdose no and I've had so many friends like go down that road like really close people in my life family members all this stuff and it's like it stems from something up here yeah fucking it really does you know something's you know it's it's a it's an allergy. It's a disease of the mind, an allergy of the body. Yeah, the okay. You know, it's like, um, yeah, it's like something in our head telling us we're not good enough. We start drinking, you know, we find alcohol or whatever it is, and and that you know relieves us of those thoughts, and we're yeah. funny and we're fun, and it's everything's fun, you know, whatever the drug is that we drug of choice that we start. It's a mask. It's a band aid. It's a band aid, and then all of a sudden, we we continue to do that, and then we start doing it more and more, and then we can't live without it. And yep. then, you know, it starts going, you know, deeper into that hole and that's where the addiction goes down. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, like fucking junkies, but it's like, nobody wants to be no a fucking wants to be junkie. Like no. Nobody wants to be a junkie. Nobody wants to be a crackhead. Like it never starts with like, oh, I want to be a crackhead. Yeah. It's like, dude, no, that's I totally never, agree. Yeah. Like, and like I, I've, you know, like my mom is sober. She's the one that got, you know, got me sober. Um, a lot of my family members, it's, it's a huge part of my life and people around me. Um, I surround myself a lot with, you know, a sober community and yeah, it's, so it, what, what did you have a problem with? Uh, drinking and I would say cocaine, ecstasy, and then whatever I could really get my hands on. Yeah. Cause dude, I wasn't really exposed to coke until I went to the States. Yeah. It's really it's fucking gnarly. It's really gnarly. Like, like it's how, how just like, it's just everyone's got it. it's so common it's like literally it's like smoking it's drinking weed. it's drinking or smoking weed yeah yeah it's literally like i was blown away like i never did a drug at all period until you went to the states it was fucking crazy and i was seeing these shit like i'd be like trying to hook up with chicks yeah and i'd be like that'd be fucking that's got the back row and i was like fuck yeah i'm about to go back hook up with this fucking hot ass blonde bitch like, from from fucking the valley and then she's like let's do some blow <laughs> and i'm like the fuck i've never even seen blow yeah you're like no and like they didn't give a fuck yeah it blew my mind how casual and i come from a plate like i don't even know how much cocaine would have been in my town like I've, when i grew up yeah you know what i mean like it i don't even think people really could have got their hands on it back then yeah and there was other stuff that they could yeah exactly have, but it was just like it really fucking blew my mind how casual people were about cocaine it's seriously it's it's crazy how like how casual it's become yeah and it's bad here now like it's fucking that's, I, that's i've been hearing it's crazy bad here yeah. and it's like it's so it's as common as drinking i'd say yeah and i think that 
it's probably fucking super hard for people to believe that. Like, I bet if my mum listened to this and was like, what? People yeah. do cocaine as much as they drink? Like, yeah. 100%. It's crazy. If you, like, if, like, you see it, like, when you're, like, when you, you know, are doing it and you're partying and stuff like that, it's like, everywhere you go, someone's got it. Someone you know has it with you. And you the know, th- then they know the dealer, then you meet the dealer, then you're, like, friends with him, and then you get it. It's just, like, you know, and then it's, like, you can't drink without doing it because you're going to want it or you can't, you know, it's it's just like, that's how it just, it's, you know. And people, I think people use it as like a supplement as well at the start to where they're like, oh, I'm real tired. Like, it's just going to help me stay up. Yeah. And or then I'm really just, drunk. I need to wake up. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it, it becomes, it's like a real social thing too. Very Like much a lot of people want to do coke with other people and like get, talk. get on that coke rant level. And just fucking like go in and create a business and fuck. Like, <laughs> We're gonna fucking rule the world, <laughs> dude. And like, fuck, it's a good feeling. Yeah, it. I, yeah, but it was. But it's not. It's a not. sustainable feeling. No, it's not. You. It's at every fifteen minutes. Just sitting like you know. 15 and that's minutes. the that that's the worst thing. Like oh, like with uh, like ecstasy or Molly or something like. That, at least it's lasting a little it's while. It's a couple hours. Like you're not wanting to just every ten minutes go to the bathroom just, and fucking just keep racking up. Do you want to take a piss? Let's go take a piss. Yeah. Let's go take a piss. Yeah. It's like no, dude. It's fucking calm the fuck down. And. Yeah, all of a sudden you end up in like a real weird fucking place, like really quickly. At like that. four a.m. at someone random's house trying to buy some, you know, an eight ball, and and you're talking to your friend. You kind of like come to and you're like, "Where am I?" Yeah. Like, who are those people? Yeah. Like, the fuck is happening? And you're like fucking coked out of your brain at this point too. Yeah. And nothing makes sense. And you're not going to sleep anytime soon. No. Yeah. And yeah, so how bad did it get to where you, like, when did you even realize you had like a problem? Um, I mean, around four years ago. Yeah. Uh, just kind of like, kind of that time where I started neglecting my doctors, those, uh, that, those two yeah. years going back to that. Yeah. Um, I, you know, was like, I want to live. I want to be normal. I want to live like everybody else. And yeah. everyone's drinking and partying. And I was like, oh, I don't have a problem with anything. And then. You know, now looking back on it, I don't, I didn't really like occur to me at the time, but like I was drinking every single day, you know, I was doing, doing blow, I would say two to five days a week Fuck. and then whatever else I could get my hands on. And it just, it, you know, and, and just seeing like, how the fuck can I neglect my medical issues? Yeah. You know, like that, after all you've lived after through, after everything that I've gone through, like, like that to me is like the biggest, like, like, no, no, mm. mind boggling. Like that, that, that blows me away. Yeah. That like I would neglect my health like that. I've, you know, and how, like, how guilty did you feel when you like fully realized that pretty fucking guilty, oh, but my shit. hang on. Sorry, dude. Going the distance. Yeah, we are. Sick, We're going man. for speed. Going in. Um, He's all alone in the time of need. What's that? I'll, actually, I'll see if there's a card in my bag that'll just work. Okay. Oh. I'm going to swip my hat around. What's that? Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's been a marathon. We're going. I didn't think... I was like, there's no way I'm going to go like longer than like an hour and a half. Yeah. 
just see which one of these cards will work. <laughs> Surely one of these motherfuckers is going to work. What is it? Is it CF or SD? Just SD. Pretty solid amount of recording. What's that? It's a pretty solid amount of recording. Yeah. Alright, here we go. We're on. Game on, boys. Me and Coach, we're back. How's your knee? Yeah, not not feeling great. Yeah. I'd be so gutted if I had to have like surgery or something. Be fucking terrible. Don't put that in your mind. No, no. There you no. go. Positive vibes. We're working on that. PMA, positive mental attitude. Yeah. yeah. Um. Yeah. So I guess like you would have felt like guilty, right? Because you got a lot of help to like yeah. essentially live, and then here you are fucking everything up, carrying on. Yeah. So yeah. That, it was. It was. It wasn't a good look mm. for my. You know, like through my own mind, like through my own eyes, other people's eyes. Like it was just. It was a bad scene. Mm. Like what I was going. Like I was going down a really dark path. Shit was getting really bad. Um, and luckily, you know, my mom was there to kind of pull me out again. And so has she, so was she, is she sober? She's, yeah, she's sober as well. So did she have some struggles as well? She had her own struggles through her, you know, her youth. And then um, as she was getting older as well, like she had her own things going on that she had to deal with. Uh, you know, always there for me and there for the family and everything like that. But, you know, she had her own stuff behind closed doors that she had to deal with, like her, you know drinking and and using and stuff like that um and she got sober and then was there to uh pretty much pull me out and Mm. help me and then yeah and that i can imagine with like what you and your mom went through like in those early kind of years yeah and then when she come to you and was like you got a problem like that probably would have been like the hardest thing was that harder to hear than doctors even saying like you got three months to live um yeah it was pretty hard but I wanted like it, I was so in it in my mind that I was like like I was my my mentality was like fuck you really that's I was like that like I was that bad like I was you know in that in that state of mind where I was just like everyone's out to get me fuck this shit yeah it was yeah it was real dark it was real dark like, it was crazy how dark it got and do you think that that was a result of like the substances as much as the like you add the substances to everything that you'd been through and like just wanting to live like a normal life. Yeah. And I think a lot of it was like, you know, as a kid being told that you're different, you know, being told that, you, you know, there's stuff that you can't do. You can't experience this stuff that like other kids can, you know, like it was, a, it was a lot of different stuff, you know, like it always, yeah, a lot of it was feeling different. Like yeah. I felt really different as a kid, obviously. And, and like a lot of different things that, uh, I didn't get to experience and, and growing up and then finally I'm like, I'm an adult. Like I feel really good. I can do whatever I want. You know, I'm going to, I love like, you know, it's like, I feel like I want to be the life of the party all the time. So when I drink and you know, I do drugs, like I've, everyone laughs and everyone wants to be around me or so I thought and it just kind of just, and then it just spiraled and then, you know, but there's I, a fine line until you're like the fucked up dude. Yeah, exactly. So, and that's like, that's the hard one to, and then it was more, it was less, it was, then it turned into like the less of like, I'm the funny guy and everyone wants to be around me to like, 
he's the fucked up dude all the time everywhere we go wherever we go with him like he's always the most fucked up he's either puking or fucking in the corner or he's the last one to go to sleep you know or yeah like he's up till you know 5 a.m or and it just got bad it got and then the fucked up dudes find a way to hang out with each other yeah and then justify being so fucked up yeah exactly and it like there's definitely like stages to it oh yeah and all of the stages make sense how one leads to the other. Yeah, as and you I look think, at it from another perspective, yeah, from the outside perspective. Yeah. yeah, and I think that it's so fucking hard to have anything, for me anyway, It's I, I find it very hard to have anything but compassion to people that have issues with substances. Yeah, and yeah, I think same that here. The, the way that society looks at it is it's like a real, we, we live in like a punishment culture. Yeah. And I think that like, if you had a choice to be like, hey, would you like to be this guy that like doesn't need drugs to have fun and can be the life of the party just how he is? Or do you want to be the fucked up guy puking in the corner that everyone thinks is kind of weird and you're in a dark place? Which which do you want door number A or door number B? Like no one's fucking going through door number B. Exactly. But there's stages that you go through and you know like I don't believe in like gateway drugs as such to where it's like one drug leads to another no, drug. No, I don't believe but it. But I either. definitely believe in like the stages of people falling into like yeah, really bad it's, relationships. It's like, it's like fun, mm. fun with problems, problems. Yeah. Yeah. It's fucking true. And you don't, you don't want those problems. No. Like, like no I, one signs up for that shit. No. You sign up to have fun and then you're like, oh, fun. But there's like a little bit of shit. And then it's like, whoa, everything's shit. Mm. Like, fuck, might as well just keep drinking. And could you see it? As shit before your mom said no before before mom said like it I didn't really because it was like that attitude thing yeah it was that attitude it was like fuck it dude like it, it almost felt invincible yeah. I was like I fucking beat everything you mm. know like fuck everyone yeah I did I'm allowed to do this yeah a little bit of blow kind of at me sort of thing yeah it's like fuck everyone like you have been through what I've been through mm. like it went from like this positive kid to like negative and then I got sober and then built my positivity back up again. Yeah. And are you like, are you sober to where you won't do anything at all now? Yeah, nothing at all. Because you do think that you'd go back down that road? I don't even want to test it. Yeah. There's no point. Yeah. I like, you know, I'm, I'm so content with not drinking, not doing anything. I'm happy. Like, I don't need to even test the waters. Mm. Like, there's no point. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. Yeah. Yeah, no, that fucking yeah. makes sense. Like, I'm just like, I'm good. Um, what about like psychedelics and shit? Do you put that in like a different category? Mm, yes and no. Like, like so. Let's talk about like, like ayahuasca or like something. ayahuasca. Yeah, like some people would tell you that like you can do that in sobriety if it's guided and stuff like that. Yeah, that's and, like a that's like a bit of a yeah. And then other people would be like, no, dude, you're yeah. not. That's that's you're not sober. Like recount. Like you know, start your start your sobriety over again or whatever it is. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I I'm not there. I'm not one to to make that judgment call. Yeah, you know, like sure. Like I feel like it would be, it could be very eye opening to a lot of things, but I don't really want to like it. You don't want to risk yeah, it. Yeah, I just don't want, like. I'm just like I'm good in all aspects. It's the this whole thing like is really interesting to me because I think it's super cultural. Like, how many people in Australia have you heard say I'm sober? Yeah, but and not a lot, but then you look at a lot of people that just are 
pissheads. Oh, there's fucking train wrecks like exactly. left that, and right. Imagine if they didn't drink. Yeah. But what I mean is the um oh yeah, that's yeah. Like like, up, yeah. like uh you know like a Yarny? Yeah. Yeah, Yarny. He's the fucking man. Yeah. And he like he's full blown. He's like, Yeah, I was just like a pisshead, just didn't do shit, just drank all day, every day. And he goes, one day I was just like, what the fuck am I doing? Like he didn't, you know, go to A or anything like that. Yeah, and yeah. just like, he's like, one day, with the, like he's like, I just figured out, he's like, what the fuck am I doing? I'm just sitting here just hammered every day, all day, just smoking Daris and doing nothing. And he's like, fuck that. He's like, I'm just going to stop. Yeah. Yeah. That's what's, that's what I mean. Like, it's interesting because we don't use that term as much here. And yeah. it's, it's, uh, I think it's cultural it's like a thing that's been not like creating there. Uh, no, I'm like, it's I'm, international. I'm, you know what I'm trying to say yeah. in terms of like the AA and the programs and like, it, I feel like I meet a lot of people that are like, I'm sober. It's a, it's more of a term in America that, um, I guess it's just more popularized. I think people still have the same problems. Like yeah. it, that's not what I'm saying. It's more of like the, the system that, uh, has been sort of created to like deal with it. And it's just I mean, interesting it, because we don't really have that here. You do. Do you think? Yeah. I've been to meetings on here. Oh really? Yeah. Oh fuck. Yeah. No, I've been yeah, to see, a, it's in, that's what I mean. It's yeah. interesting to me because to me, my only experiences with the term sobriety is in, and the, is in the States. No, I've been to meetings here. I've been yeah, to meetings right. in Mexico. No shit. Yeah. Like I've been like, you know, my mom went to meetings in, you know, all throughout Europe. Um, it's international, like mm. the meetings all around the world. You know, it's, there's, it's AA isn't just a United States thing. It's, mm. it's like a very, you know, it's, yeah, it's international, right. literally like, you know, there's, there's groups around the world that, you know, that have the like-minded that have the same issues that, you know, are there to get sober and to change their life. Yeah. And yeah. No, that's fine. Yeah. It's interesting to me because I was only, exp- I feel like I was only exposed to it there. Yeah. I mean, I feel like uh, maybe AA is bigger in the, it's it's huge in the states honestly in mm. Los Angeles but again it's like we said there's just more people yeah it's way more people yeah so, I mean so obviously you're gonna have bigger communities that are then more outspoken like yeah. there's a follow-on effect based on size yeah exactly but yeah it's just it yeah that's that's interesting then that you said that that you've been in meetings and stuff here yeah so do you, you still like go to meetings mm-hmm. and stuff about it yeah I go to meetings I mean I have a sponsor I've worked the steps I call my sponsor um, have you read Russell Brand's book? No, but I've, I've, uh, I've watched his, I watched this long thing that he talked about with the book. Ah. I haven't read it though. Yeah. Okay. Cause he's, um, he's like the last person that you would think believed in the system of, it's not even just, it's just, if you're hopeless and nothing else works and you know, you can't live with drugs and you can't live without drugs and you're at like a turning point in life and you don't know what to do and you want to change. Like it doesn't hurt to try. Yeah. 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 Like it doesn't hurt to try. And it's like, it's not like we're like, it's not, you know, I mean, I'm not here to promote anything. It's attraction rather than promotion. Oh no. You know I don't think it's, like, you're it, not coming across. No, I know. That. I know. But I'm just saying like, it's just, you know, if, if you want a change of pace and a change of life and you see someone who's got a life that you know they're happy and like genuinely happy and not like the fake happiness that we were talking mm. about earlier try it yeah you know see see if you like it. and if you don't then something else might work for you yeah and that and the, the thing is like that just worked for me yeah like it gave me a lot of freedom mental freedom yeah and and know. i suppose just the having support because 
like even before you said like I felt super alone when you were like diagnosed with stuff and and you kind of in the position that you were with your health Mm -hmm. I guess you'd feel pretty alone without AA right if yeah if you were kind of going through that stuff and yeah you feel real alone because yeah. you're just like fuck nobody knows how I feel and nobody knows anything it's like no there's a lot of people out there that know exactly how you feel and they're there to help you and support you yeah and that's awesome about like that's what it's about it's a community you know it's a fellowship that people that help you like truly help you like if I were to you know like like during all everything that went on, you know, like fundraising stuff, like dude, there were so many people in the program that truly stepped up and helped out so much. Like even if it wasn't that, it was like even if like if I got say kicked out of my house or something like that, or something happened, or I lost my job and I had no like nowhere to go, and I called one of them, like and I was like, dude, I got nowhere to go, I got nothing right now. They'd be like, come over. Stay on my couch. I'll help you figure something out. Like, we'll get you back on your feet. Well, and I suppose it's that compassion thing, right? It's compassion, because but it's they just understand. like, it's, just, it's like, just the help. It's like, yeah. yeah, like we're here to, like, it's, we're there to help, you know? Because it's like, I feel like it's not, I think what I said before is like, it's a punishment culture. And yeah. I don't think that works. No. I don't think it, it works to just continually punish people for things that are subjective in yeah. a lot of ways, too. Yeah. But then it's like you're going, you're moving away from people that are like punishing and judging to a place of like understanding and compassion yeah. because they know what it's like to be in that place. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, and that's the thing, like, especially like, you know, when I had that conversation with my dad about, you know, the junkie sort of thing that was on TV, I was just like, I was like, bro, we, we're lucky. Yeah. We don't fucking, we don't have those problems. And sure, like my dad didn't grow up in the greatest fucking environment, yeah. but for whatever reason, he, he didn't turn that prevailed way. Prevailed and yeah. turned out. That normal. doesn't make him better or no, worse. No, exactly. That just makes it a different thing. And I think that there is like this picture that gets painted and, and it's part of like that prejudice where it's like, if you don't do drugs, you're better. Yeah, no. It's like, you're not better. You're just different. You just don't do drugs. Yeah, you just have like, there's something that's different in your mind that didn't switch for you to, you know, tell yourself that you needed something to make yourself feel better. Yeah. That person can be the smartest person you've ever met in your life or the most amazing or loving or kind. They just have something that tells them that they're not good enough or something, you know, something that's different that they want to suppress or make themselves feel better. Yeah. And I think that the other thing, and I like, I mean, I, I speak about this all the time, like I get people that say to me like oh you're so happy all the time you say this you say i'm like fuck man i've had like crazy fucking dark moments in my life yeah like insane but this happy dude that you see now as happy as i can get and as fun as i can be and as fucking as much as i can carry on and be like that life of the party you've got to understand that that comes with the exact opposite yeah to everyone everyone has the yin and the yang and the most excitable fucking charismatic person has like super fucking dark parts of their and insecurity yeah. and fucking wants to hide in the corner it's like dude yeah it's, I have the same thing it's like yes I like you know I portray myself as this you know the most positive person here to help there are moments and days where I'm like I fucking just want to just lay in bed and do nothing and I'm scared of the world mm. but it's those days where it's like shit is just it just you know everything's kind of not going your way and shit just sucks those are the days that like you know you you push through those days and you you know you take the positives out of those days and whatever it is and then so when the next good day happens it's that much fucking better oh it feels insane yeah it feels that much better 
And, and man, I've said it so many times. Like, if you were on coke all the time, it wouldn't feel good. You wouldn't be no. high anymore. You'd just be you just, just on coke. Like, just, just functioning be tweaked. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like you need the yin and the yang. You need a, spe- you need a spectrum. Yeah. You have to feel things on a spectrum. Yeah. And that that offset, that dis- difference and the distance between the high and the low, the greater that distance is, the better it's going to feel. Yeah. It's like the feeling. It's like you can never truly enjoy success if you haven't felt what the bottom feels like. Yeah. Because you have the, you know, it's like that's the truth. Like you can't enjoy this if you never felt how bad it is down there. To like, not saying like, you know, like everyone should, you know, have to go through highs and lows in life. Like some people are just, you know, make it to the top, and that's just how it is. But I'm just saying, like, when you come from adversity and you make it and you succeed, whether your success is, you know, just getting yourself a fucking apartment or yeah. whatever it may be, but coming from what you were to where you are. Like that is the biggest reward in the world. Like to like overcome that adversity. And that is that like is rock bottom something they talk about in AA? Like mm-hmm. you've got to hit your rock bottom. And everyone's bottom's different. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because that yeah, it, you you're right. Like it is, you know. I guess it's yeah. In my mind, it's like how far is the distance traveled between the lowest low and the highest high? The further that di- distance is, the bigger the reward. Yeah, the better it is. You know, and that's yeah. when you start looking at the bad things in a different way because you just go man the further i get fucking down that means that that distance that between there and the high is gonna be fucking big and that means a super payoff yeah exactly it's like i look at myself four years ago where i was to where i'm at today you wouldn't even recognize who i was yeah that's crazy yeah like if you saw me four years ago you'd be like like fuck? and you put me side to side, you'd be like, "There's no fucking way." Like, no, I can show you a photo. It's fucked up. Yeah, I want to see. It's truly fucked up, but yeah, no, I'm just like I said. Like, it just goes back to the gratitude feeling. Like, what I with the life that I live today, through everything that I've been through, I'm just like I'm just grateful. Like, I'm literally just grateful to be where I'm at, who I am today, and yeah. Well. We fucking did it. We fucking did it. This was a marathon podcast. <laughs> I really hope everyone uh, enjoyed listening to it. I definitely enjoyed our chat. It's uh, it's what I've been looking forward to as well. I've been really looking forward to being on this, like just being a part of it, popping my uh, podcast cherry. Yeah, I'll get you on next time you're in Australia. Good luck in Baja. Um, everyone go uh, on Tyler Berriman's eBay uh, yeah. tomorrow. Uh, and bid on that X Games gear where he got a third place, like a fucking savage. Like a being, boss. The, being the mad dog that he is. And uh, yeah, make a bid. It's for a great cause. And yeah, I appreciate it. I'm, I'm really looking forward to, um, you know, you just said four years from now, but to see where you've been another four years. I'm excited to be a part of uh, what you've got going on. And I'm a part, and I'm so honored and stoked to be a part of this and you know, I'm beyond it. I'm just stoked, dude. Thank you so much for having me on. Done. Yeah, dog. Love you, brother. Love you, doggy. You. Yeah. Let's find oh. that photo. Yeah.
All right, that that wraps it up. Um, I need to start doing these at the end. Uh, shout out to my jiu-jitsu coach, Fabio, for telling me how much I need to do these little outros. Um, he gets frustrated when I just cut it off. He thinks it's random, and I agree. The problem is I'm always leaving the studio as soon as I'm done with the podcast, and I feel like at this point in my life, I'm always running late for something so nine times out of ten i go cool thank you enjoy the podcast and then i have to shut the doors and split and i'm just like grabbing memory cards and then leaving so that's why he's right it's kind of weird that they just stop so i'm gonna start doing this this also gives me a little bit of an extra time to thank the sponsors for being a part of this whole deal uh thanks to the guys from nobby a personal thank you to rob you're a fucking legend uh and thanks to the crew at boost uh Donnie and jace you guys are legends uh, yeah what else could i talk about the merch we are still we've still got some of our hoodies left uh even though it's kind of uh, not really winter anymore. A bunch of tees. Uh, we're looking at doing some fist gloves. We're looking at doing a set of knobby underwear, like a collab. So I'm pretty excited about that. I think it's cool to give people like a physical version of the podcast, if that makes sense. Because I guess it's really just digital. Um, sort of, it's all on social media, it's on iTunes. So it's kind of cool to have like something physical that represents the podcast. And I'm very appreciative of the people that have bought shirts and hoodies, not for the money side of it. Obviously that does help, but it's more just, I guess it just makes me proud that people, uh, like what we do enough to, um, I guess like represent it out in public. Um, sure. It's like a good conversation starter for people. So, yeah, jump online, gypsytales.com slash shop. Um, what have I got coming up? I've got maybe Bathurst this weekend. Still undecided if I'm going to go. There's, like, a lot of stuff happening this weekend in the sporting world. There is uh, Motocross of Nations, which I'm excited for. There is the Khabib Connor fight, which I'm frothing for. There's obviously Bathurst. Um, and then I am going in the Pan Pacific Jiu-Jitsu Championships in Melbourne at the end of the month. So I'm trying to like not do anything other than train and do the Gypsy Tales podcast before that. Hoping to do well. I lost my last fight that I did. So it's kind of changed the way I'm thinking about the competition itself. Um, I was probably a little bit too focused on winning for the last comp and look past what you actually have to do to win um so yeah i guess i'm kind of like changing my vibe on that uh from there we've got x games which is the week before the um those pampack titles and then after that i'm going to be at sydney supercross then i'm going to be going to auckland supercross and then i'm going to be staying at townley's house after that for a few days doing his um ben townley adventure uh, or Ben Townley, like motocross tours kind of deal. Um, and then I'm going to obviously do a podcast with Ben, hoping to do one with maybe, maybe Cody Cooper, uh, win masters, be pretty keen to do one with win. Hopefully he's home, um, from, from his mountain bike season. Um, so yeah, I guess that's kind of what I've got coming up in the next couple of months. It's very exciting time 
for the podcast seems like a lot of stuff is um, happening around it and last month was our biggest month by like a lot um, and that is cool because the Kerry Hart podcast uh, didn't fit in that month that was like a big one and then um, obviously like a lot of views went up with that and I was kind of expecting that that would be like our biggest month and then it would go, go like back to normal but the month after that um, was like 30% bigger than anything we've ever done before downloads wise so yeah it's crazy the message is getting out there I guess um, people are enjoying what we're doing and I'm stoked that um, people are getting something out of of uh, people talking and just being being cool people I guess uh, so yeah that's me I'm rambling on I guess I kind of can in this outro because if you get sick of it you can just stop and wait for the next episode um, gonna try and do two a week from now as well well I guess that's kind of like exciting um, if you like listening to it uh, up next will be a podcast with a professional MMA fighter who is a lovely lady by the name of Janae Harding. So we recorded that a week ago and I just wanted to split up the fight content um, because we had Lockie on um, and then Aaron Blackie. So it was like a couple guys back to back. So that's it. I'm out. This is getting ridiculous now in terms of length. So I'll leave it at that. Thank you everybody for listening and we'll talk to you very soon.